Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, makers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens. All from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Let's get it, Star Wars! Let's get it, Star Wars in here! Let's get it, Star Wars! Let's get it, Star Wars, in here! A small rebel force has penetrated the shield and landed on Endor. This is where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. You know, it wasn't that long ago, my wife would ask me every week, what do you guys have to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you run out of things to say? And as I was prepping for the show this week, she saw the stacks of stories that I've printed out. Uh, it's it's really a, a balancing act. You're so lucky to have us to balance all this news for you. But we're balancing the news of, of, of three films, four if you count... You know, still the aftermath of The Force Awakens, it's just, uh, gosh, I know we say it a lot, but there has never been a more exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. We got so much, uh, you know, from Celebration Europe and San Diego Comic-Con, and that and that doesn't even count just the stuff that's come out since then. So, uh, But we're here to do it all for you at Rebel Force Radio, this week's show for July 29th, 2016. That's right, we've got uh, some... News on uh, on the Han Solo standalone, uh, some some rumors too, and uh, episode eight. We're gonna break down that list that uh, director Ryan Johnson suggested. He gave us homework, I think. Gave us some movies to watch that may have an influence over uh, the shape of episode eight. And uh, here to help me do that in a whole lot more, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. Yeah, you know, I don't know if. This is like the most exciting time to be a Star Wars fan because I've always been excited to be a fan, but it's definitely the busiest time I've ever had as a Star Wars busiest fan. You're so time. right. I think you're right. Yeah. You're so right. I mean, we're still you know, fresh off of the adventure uh, that was The Force Awakens, looking forward to Rogue One, followed by Episode Eight, and then the Han Solo film. And all of these these projects are really you know, stoking the flames of fandom. A lot of news is dropping constantly on the upcoming films. It's hard to, 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 you know, maintain sometimes your excitement because you're so overwhelmed. So, yeah, um, right. But uh, yeah, a lot of cool things coming up here on the show. Uh, we'll be talking about that young Han Solo film. We'll be talking about Rogue One. We'll be talking. About episode eight, you name it, we're talking about it here this week on Rebel Force Radio. And actually, it's not just going to be the two of us. Uh, Jim, you brought a special guest with you this week. 
Yeah, we have a radio brother joining us here uh, this week uh, from New Jersey, Eastside Dave, also known as Davey Mack. You've heard him over the years on uh, such shows as the Ron and Fez show, Opie and Anthony, and uh, he's currently part of the morning crew at WRAT 95.9 FM in New Jersey, The Rat. He's... uh, uh, co-host in the morning show there, the morning rat race, and uh, also host of the East Side Dave show, which is uh, on Compound Media, and that airs on Tuesday evenings. He's East Side Dave McDonald, and uh, he's uh, coming to us via the wonders of internet communication technology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so a wonder, all right. It's a wonder it works sometimes. Let's see if we can uh, pull him up here. Eastside Dave. You, Eastside Dave. Hey! <laughs> oh, Eastside Dave with the uh, with camera. I, I have a camera. You know, I'm really bad at actually technology, sadly, even though I, I should be way, way better. I'm, I'm very, very awful. Well, it's not too bad. You sound good. You sound crystal clear to us. So Okay. Yeah. I. I have a proper microphone. Um, it's a small little droid type of looking microphone. Oh, that's there. cute. <laughs> that's cute. But you're using the, the new Star Wars laptop? I am. I, uh, I absolutely love it, except the lightsaber is disturbingly loud for uh, like almost anything. When you uh, open up your pictures or you adjust the volume, or any, you're just constantly hearing lightsaber uh, bursts. <laughs> so you loaded up a bunch of uh, Star Wars sounds? No, he has no. This, this new laptop. Tell us about it, Dave. Give us your product review of the Star Wars laptop. Who makes it, when would you get it, and what's it doing for you? Okay, it's, uh, it's an HP... Um, uh, let's see, what kind of computer is this? It's an HP computer, and uh, basically it comes with, uh, it comes with everything. It actually, I'm actually a big, big fan of this computer because it comes with all of the trailers, a ton of um, original uh, you know, photographs, artwork. There, it has huge zip files that you can check out all kinds of stuff. Video, they even have videos that, that can act as screensavers. Like you can get, uh, take a look at the um, Anakin Skywalker, Obi-Wan Kenobi um, lightsaber duel from uh, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. That can actually be your screensaver. Um, and it, it lights up in red. It's, uh, it's actually quite, quite cool. And if you're a Star Wars fan, it even has... It even comes with some um, screenplays and dialogues and whatnot. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah I, so I, uh, I give it a thumbs up, guys. So, yeah, that's right. It's the HP. It's, uh, you can get it on Amazon. It's, it's fairly affordable, too. Um, yeah. Windows 10 home notebook laptop computer. And, and uh, it, has a, uh, it has a very menacing look to it because you, uh, you can light up the keys with kind of Sith red uh, with uh, black uh, buttons on it, so you you have you can just sit in the darkness and and kind of scheme and and you know think about uh, evil galactic terror or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and is even- this the uh, is this the one that's? I mean, were you able to choose between like a Sith edition or a light side edition or yeah. the one I'm looking at is uh, looks pretty Sithy. Yes, the, the the one I guarantee you, the one you're looking at is the one I got because okay. I, I I I like the uh, red glow. I te- I hate to say this because uh, 
it's not the, the type of uh, like I you know I have I have a little son and little daughter who are right now just absolutely loving Star Wars and I try and teach them about being a good Jedi and everything. But I sort of gravitate towards the uh, Sith characters. So, oh yeah, uh, <laughs> you know. yeah fatherhood will do that to you. <laughs> a lot of good f- father figures in the Sith pantheon. Uh, <laughs> so you guys, I'm glad that we're able to make this uh, connection here. For the first time, Eastside Dave McDonald, radio personality, a.k.a. Davey Mack. He's the man yeah. who uh, co-hosts the morning rat race, right? <laughs> on yes. uh, on WRAT 95.9, The Rat. Yes. And uh, you're all over the place. You, you host video programs. You, you have the Eastside Dave show. Uh, yeah. You have so much going on. And also used to be a producer for uh, Ron and Fez. That's right. And That's right. Uh, yeah. did you do anything with Opie and Anthony or no? No. Yeah, you I did. I didn't did. you? Well, I was I was on their channel. Um, Ron and Fez show was on their channel, and so uh, I worked. Uh, but I would often do run-ins. I was kind of that lunatic at that stage in my career, just sort of that you know lunatic producer type of guy who would you know uh, I gained thirty five. They, they had a biggest gainer competition where uh, the, the object was to see how much weight you could gain in one month. And I put on 35 oh pounds. Oh, my God. Wow, that's very healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And the, the stupid thing about it was I didn't, re- I didn't realize that once you got into your 30s, that when you gain all that weight, yeah, it took me about, oh, I don't know, five years to, <laughs> to, to, to go back to my normal weight. And at the same time, I was having a – with a different bet, I was having a beard competition. So I had this huge because I'm a I'm a red haired guy. So I had a huge red beard and 35 pounds, and it was just it was an absolute disaster. Um, and it, <laughs> looking good, man. Good. ladies. So, but actually, to answer your question, Jimmy, um, uh, the the East Side Dave show right now, um. For those who might not know or, I don't know, uh, or, or don't care, uh, Opie and Anthony sort of split up, you know, and um, Anthony started this whole network called Compound Media. And that's that's what uh, network we're on with the Eastside Dave show. We're actually on uh, Anthony from Opie and Anthony's uh, network. Got it. And, got uh, it. Yeah. So, so uh, Owen, a, you know. Owen, a divorce. You won Anthony in the divorce. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you could say that. Yeah. A- Anthony and I, I mean, uh, you know, I get nothing against Opie, but a- Anthony and I are uh, have, have always been uh, good friends. And uh, so he he's kind of uh, offered me a couple of years ago when he started this thing. Um, I didn't, you know, go for it at first because I was busy, like, you know, you said with the morning rat race and ninety five nine. But I don't know. It, 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 I actually downloaded the app one day and it just was very cool because it can. You can put it right on your TV with all the the TVs being smart TVs and everything, but um, so that's you know that's been the thing. But I've been I've been looking forward to talking to you guys forever, <laughs> forever. I mean, not on your show. I actually was just on the Eastside Dave show on Tuesday, and I said because uh, I've I've been on TV on uh, America's Worst Tattoos because <laughs> 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 of my hideous hideous Sopranos tattoo that looked like. Basically, the Sopranos had melted. Um, yeah, they, they more closely resembled Mount Rushmore than than the actual Sopranos family. But uh, I was mentioning that um, I have been on you know like a whole bunch of stuff. But the the 
the one show that I'm most nervous, and this is true blue, was appearing on Rebel Force Radio. I swear to you. Because I've been faithful, like loyally, so hardcore into your show for two years now. And I'm like, oh, I don't know if I want to go on Rebel. Jason and Jimmy are, oh, this is too much pressure. (laughs) (laughs) And here's a guy who's got a a full career in radio. He's he's feeling pressure from you and me. Oh, by the way, I am looking at your Sopranos tattoo right now, and it is horrendous. I think Edie Falco might have a lawsuit here. Uh, It's really rough. Really rough stuff, but you know you got a lot of. I love guts. that you're a big fan of Nurse Jackie. That's one of my favorite shows. Right? <laughs> yeah, it. I know. Edie Falco has a sort of a like a Wolfman type of look. I don't know what's with the uh, the <laughs> the eyes were all black. It was a weird. The, the tattoo just was just absolutely atrocious. So. Well, what, did, did you do the tattoo yourself? How did it end up this way? <laughs> what happened? Uh, Yet another one of those radio things where I made a dumb bet on the air. I, it was coming around to the uh, time of the Sopranos season finale. And I said, I thought that the entire, the, the immediate family, Tony, uh, Carmela, his wife, and the two kids were all going to get, as they say, whacked in the episode. And yeah. I, I said, whoever um, does not get whacked, I will have tattooed on my back. <laughs> And then they had that horrible ending where no one got killed. It was all left kind of, you know, open to interpretation, I right. think. Yeah, exactly. And I, I believe it or not, guys, I was actually trying to plead my case. I was saying, look, just like you said, it was it, in my interpretation. Uh, they all got killed in that diner, but uh, <laughs> no one was having it. People, you know, the audience especially was calling me out. So I said, all right, forget it. So I, I, I just scrambled and got some tattoo artists who, who – I basically, in the entire New York, um, New Jersey area, only one tattoo artist would do it for free. And so <laughs> that's kind of what happens okay. when you uh, – Don't you love that when you're working in radio and you get the freebie? I remember I got <laughs> offered free LASIK surgery. Uh, if I would, you know, because they were looking for testimonials, and I'm thinking to my like, I'm not doing this for a doctor who's willing to do it for trade. Like, okay. I'm not letting him touch <laughs> well, my eyeballs with a laser. Uh, well, that makes that makes my decision sound really bad because I did get <laughs> well, the that's LASIK. You got your vasectomy? No, right? well, no, um, that one I had to pay for. But the LASIK actually I did get as a radio promotion, you and did? Uh, yeah, and that was that was 13 years ago, and of course I am wearing glasses once again, but. <laughs> So, Dave, I'm glad you're finally here with us on Rebel Force Radio. I, of course, have been on the East Side Dave show, and I've also been on your, your former show, The Watchers. Um, yes. So I'm, I'm glad I'm able to finally make this connection with you and Swank. Yeah, no, I, I've, I, the, the, the only, the, I, I've wanted to talk to Jason for forever, and we're going to have to get him on one time uh, on the East Side Dave show um, for sure. Um, but because I, I, I just messaged Jimmy uh, on the um, – so this is actually uh, – this is either a, a compliment or this puts me in a, a kind of a stalker-ish light because I started to research uh, Jimmy Mack and, and, and realized that uh, my radio station was 95.9 uh, and Jimmy's, it was uh, – I don't know if I'm even allowed to say your, your call letters. Am I? Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and Jimmy's uh, radio station is also 95.9. Yes. It, and, yes. and, oh, that's weird. Yeah. And then I, I saw I, I was listening one time to Rebel Force Radio and Jimmy was mentioning that uh, he had a um, 
uh, one of those um, uh, fathead, fathead Luke Skywalker posters in his son's uh, bedroom. And I, too, have the same fathead Luke Skywalker in my son's bedroom. So I actually contacted you guys on Twitter. I was like, look at all these similarities. And then I realized I kind of came across a little bit single white female-ish. <laughs> We're so much alike. Oh, exactly. It was just uncanny. <laughs> yeah. So, so Jimmy got back to me on Twitter. So I was, I was, you know, I, I, I guess, uh, cause I had no, I, no other way of, um, contacting you guys. So I will say it was, it was a, you know, the, the response was very quick. So, you guys really pay attention to your listeners, which is awesome. Um, and and so that's how I got in touch. But yes, I'm I'm a, a huge Jason Swank fan as well. I'm just yeah. in every everything Rebel Force Radio. I'm all about. Nice. We love. All right. That. Well, thanks, yeah. man. Uh, uh, it's great to have you here. Are, you're going to be hanging with us, right? Yeah, sure. Why not? What the heck? Uh, so, Dave, you um, you know, you're a listener of Rebel Force Radio. And I'm going to guess by some of the things that you said that you're probably part of that uh, original trilogy generation, at least remember seeing Return of the Jedi in the theater, right? Yes, yes. Uh, I um, saw, I, I vividly recall, in fact, Jedi is the first movie I remember seeing in the movie theater. Um, and my mom was actually, did, I, I always say I kind of got the Star Wars bug from osmosis because I was born in 77 and uh, my mom uh, was about four months pregnant with me in um, uh, early June of uh, <laughs> of seventy seven. So I always claim that 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 while I didn't see it, it my first movie experience was Star Wars. <laughs> you're what you're what's known as a Star Wars baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it got immediately into the bloodstream. Um, but I'm absolutely not a a prequel trilogy hater. I in fact I I actually love. The uh, prequel trilogy quite a bit. Um, I'm, I'm about all things, but but certainly um, my first memory was was uh, I think like 1981 or 82. HBO played Star Wars, um, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. that was really sort of the the defining moment of just not just Star Wars, but like all movies. I, I couldn't believe what I was seeing as a kid, and it and it just changed my life forever because I couldn't believe. How the I didn't even know what a, a director was, or obviously, or a producer, or an actor. Yes. But I just knew that like these movies and all movies are the best. But specifically, these movies were just utterly magical. So that's so yeah. I'm an or, original trilogy guy, but I, I I pretty much love it all. Now, so you saw Star Wars on HBO. You remember seeing this? Then you went to the theater yeah. to see. Uh, Return of the Jedi. I think your story sort of parallels mine. Did you end up seeing The Empire Strikes Back last? So you saw Star Wars, then Jedi, then Empire. That's how it was for me, too. Yes. It was very, very peculiar because, yeah, obviously I didn't get the big reveal towards the end of Empire that, you know, uh, everyone raved about. I was like, yeah, so don't we know this already? (laughs) It's become a popular topic amongst fandom to discuss what is your preferred viewing order of the Star Wars films. And I've never heard anyone say, uh, six, four, five. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't think, I don't think Dave or I recommend this viewing order. No. I, we're just saying that we were, you know, victims of, uh, yeah. 
circumstance in you know the eighties and uh, but yeah, I have a distinct memory of going over to my cousins to watch the uh, to watch Star Wars, the original Star Wars, A New Hope on HBO, and then going to the movie theater and seeing Return of the Jedi, and then waiting almost a year it felt like before Empire made it to home video. It, it was Laserdisc. Yeah, that that is a hundred percent what happened to me too, and um, you know, but. It, it it happened and <laughs> yeah, yeah right. it didn't obviously it didn't affect us too much because no. here we are here we are on a Star Wars podcast a hundred percent yeah but um for for the order I know a lot of people are doing the popular thing of of doing uh uh episodes four five and then maybe going back uh and and checking out you know um one two and three or just two and three or some people just like to to do the third and then. Finishing it off with Jedi, which I've I've heard a bunch of people do that type of deal. Whereas the um, the um, prequel movies sort of act as uh, just one huge flashback, you know? Right, right. It's kind of like The Godfather Part Two in a way. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I'm 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 okay with that. Uh, you know, I I definitely showed my kids the original trilogy in order, and then just went back after Jedi and and showed them episodes one, two, and three. That's that was the way I introduced it to them, but you know, uh, I think that's a kind of a cool order as well. I, I don't know, but I, I sort of also like to keep the momentum going mm. after going from Empire right into Jedi. So it's hard. Now, what about Star Wars Celebration? You ever been to one of those? No, I, I, I got to. In fact, just listening to you guys and your coverage has really inspired me to to, to start. <laughs> believe it or not, start saving money immediately. Um, if not for Orlando next year. Um, certainly the year after I'm, I'm really looking to, uh, hit one of these things up soon. I, I was telling, uh, Jimmy, Jason, um, my friend, I'm really, really jealous of this, uh, son of a gun. Uh, his name is a uh, Jermaine Lassier. He's, he's a writer for IO9. And, and so he, he gets credentials to everything. And he was mm. just at, he was just in London and he sends me all these incredible pictures and, and, you know, he writes up these huge articles and uh, between him and then, of course, you guys, um, I've, I've just been salivating over here, uh, <laughs> <laughs> desperate to hit up one of these uh, celebrations. So well, that I is- got you've got you've got kids. How old are your kids? Seven and eight. Seven and eight. OK, well, I don't advise you to uh, do what Jimmy did at Celebration three uh, and lose <laughs> one of your kids at the at the at the show. Um, I don't know if you've if you've heard this story before. We talked about it last week on the program. So Jim was at, at Celebration Three. He thought he was in line to see a Barry Holland who played. You know, he was you rebel scum. You know that guy. Yeah, yeah, I love and, that. Guy. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I um, stood in line for him. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, his brother Bill, uh, Jimmy thinks that he's watching Michael, who's six at the time. Yeah. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Jimmy realizes Mike or uh, uh, Bill standing like right next to him, and he's talking to him. He's like, "Well, where, where where's Michael? I thought he was with you." Yeah. So, anyway, so the the crazy thing was, we t- again we t- we had this on last week, is that uh, a listener had heard this story and. Um, sent us a voicemail. Yeah, and I wanted to thank the listener because what had happened, Dave, was I looked at Bill. I said, where is he? I thought he was with you. I said, no, he was with you. And (laughs) Michael had just wandered off somewhere. He was small, and it was a crowded convention center. So after I got Barry Holland's autograph. (laughs) After? Yeah. Well, you know. (laughs) 
Yeah, he got he's, the autograph. He's like, he had you know, a sandwich, sat down like, for a little bit, relaxed. He's, he's he's like, okay, who shall I personalize this to? I'm like, no one, just write down your name. Oh, well, I'll tell you. He's looking at it. He's admiring his photo. Boy, I remember this day. It was really a while. I'm like, I just, give me that thing. I snatch it out of his hand. And so we split up, and we're looking for uh, He's trying to give you a moment. Yeah, I yeah. love that. He's trying to give you that experience. And yeah. you, you were having nothing of it. And then and then Jimmy headed off to the Kenny Baker line <laughs> and uh, Peter Mayhew and just on and on and on. <laughs> All right. Now you're painting a picture. But uh, so what? So um, while I was waiting in the Peter Mayhew line, we heard this announcement over the PA that helped us relax. And it was uh, it was, you know, indicating to us where to go to find Michael. Uh, and so I'll never forget that moment when I was in the convention center and I heard that over the PA. We and, got it right here. You want me to well, play it? No, no, I, no. I because Dave's heard it. Actually, I want to play it as part of the original voicemail that, oh, that came okay. to us. This was back when we were hosting Forcecast. And Eric Stuckey, loyal, now Rebel Force Radio listener Eric Stuckey, <laughs> he uh, heard me tell the story about losing Michael. And... What was incredible was that he was actually there in the convention center rolling videotape at the moment that PA announcement was made. So I just wanted to give wow. Eric some props because I didn't do that last week on the show. And I went into our archives and I dug up that original voicemail from Eric. So let's uh, turn the clock back once again. The year is 2005. We're in Indianapolis at uh, Star Wars Celebration 3, Michael is missing, and Eric is rolling video. Oh, sorry, hold on. Forgot I, co- I do this every week. Every week. And then we're here to... There it is. Ow! 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 All right, here we go. Hey, Jimmy, this is Eric. I'm so excited about going to C6 that um, I'm already like in full obsession mode, so I have been watching all my C2, 3, and 4 uh, videos that I took, and I come across this Saturday night while watching uh, Celebration 3 video, and uh, it has something to do with you, and I'll play it for you. Attention attendees, Jim or Bill McInerney, you have lost an item. You will find it at the information desk outside the exhibit hall. Thank you. And there you go. <laughs> so at the time, I don't I don't think you guys were doing the force cast at the time of C3, so I'd, I'm, I didn't put the name together. Um, but I remember you talking, uh, about this, uh, on a previous podcast, uh, a couple of months ago, if not a couple of years ago, but just wanted to share it with you. Oh man. And you so know, cool. small world. And, but imagine now, yeah, he's right. We were not doing star Wars podcasting back in 2005. We right. were still about a year left in the incubator. I was doing Star Wars radio stuff for years up to that point, and I was doing a lot of that radio stuff at Celebration 3. But imagine nowadays, with the sort of audience that we have, the greatest Star Wars fans on the planet, Mm -hmm. listening to Rebel Force Radio. There's a lot of you, and I know you guys pack the convention halls for all of these Star Wars Celebration shows. So imagine if I did that nowadays. Everyone (laughs) would know. Everyone, Everyone would, would know. know. And for the rest you, of the week, I'd be hearing, oh, my God, did you find your son? Or, you know, yeah, exactly. Like that. Did you, you would be getting destroyed. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, what, well, or, and if or, you lost your 17-year-old, I mean, <laughs> that would be, that'd be and, another story. And if he did lose his 17-year-old, would they still refer to him as an item, quote-unquote? Oh, well, you know, he's 17. 
Some of the <laughs> some of the ladies find him to be quite the item. So, <laughs> you, I do like the way they say you have lost an item. Yeah, I know. Like like he's a backpack. <laughs> what the heck is that? We did have him in that pet taxi, so I, I guess that's what I'm at. <laughs> which oddly I did not get returned to me. So so there you go. Well, have that's it. great. So Eric Stuckey, he's the hero. He yeah. sent some uh, so you can relive this. I'll relive anytime the nightmare, you yeah. want. Actually, you know <laughs> that was the best part though, because that's when you know, it was like, thank God, someone has him and we know where to find him. Because up to that point, it was kind of a nightmare. So you could just yeah. imagine. You could, so did, think, you, uh, did, you, did you hit up a few lines then since you, your, your item had been found? Oh, on the way to the desk? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure. I, I stopped. I picked up the Hasbro exclusive, of course. You know. <laughs> that was only that was a short line. Wait, only 45 minutes for that. And uh, <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, that's that's just a, a moment in history that, I mean, what are the odds that he's going to be able to get that and pass it on to me? So that's, that's very a, cool. abs- That's amazing. That's so weird. <laughs> Fortuitous. Bizarre. Yes, all uh, of the above. Yeah, you know, so so uh, speaking of uh, Star Wars Celebration, we had a lot of coverage last week. We'll still be uh, uh, bringing it up, I'm sure, for weeks on end here at uh, Rebel Force Radio. But there was a discussion we had last week out of the, uh, the Ahsoka panel. Ahsoka's Untold Tales, Dave Filoni, Ashley Eckstein, talking with David Collins on the stage about Ahsoka's uh, past and, and perhaps future and we were discussing whether or not some of these unfinished stories that 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 either exist just still in script form or in some of these animatics or whatever if they are canon because there was some really cool stuff jim if you remember uh there was discussion about ahsoka actually being on um uh, uh, on Coruscant, right? Is it she, she, on Coruscant fighting Darth Maul? Yeah, no, that would be on Mandalore. It would or on be, Mandalore, rather, yeah, this, fighting Darth Maul during the Battle of Coruscant, yeah, essentially. Uh, yes, so, yes, yes. Anakin yeah. and Obi-Wan would be off fighting in that battle, and then Ahsoka would be off on Mandalore taking on Darth Maul. And we were, we were thinking, well, you know, if she did go on to defeat him, then she... she would have been the one to kill him, and that would render all of these stories non-canon. I also thought because of the fact that Filoni was being very open about these story ideas and concepts, really taking us all the way to the end, where he really didn't develop anything further, um, I thought, wow, the reason they're telling us this stuff is because these stories are never going to be told. (laughs) So, I mean, there's just, why would they tell... What happens in a story that hasn't been told told yet? You know, talk about it in such detail. So, well, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Why do you why do you say that if that was true, that it would render it would render it non canon because of rebels? And I'm assuming that for Ahsoka to win the planet Mandalore, she would have to deal a fatal blow to Darth Maul. And that's that was. Oh, but this guy, this guy has more lives than a cat. I mean, th- that this is more, exactly right? the discussion we were having last week. Yeah. Exactly the discussion, but the the whole discussion now has been rendered moot because it was discussed in the panel. Ahsoka's oh. Untold Tales at uh, Star Wars Celebration Europe. The topic of canon status for these tales was discussed by Pablo with Dave sitting there on stage. Even though the, this particular story really only exists as story ideas, some loose scripts and things like that, um, you know. Yeah. We're sharing it right now. Yeah, we, we yeah, still consider it. Not all of it. We though, consider yeah. it to have happened, so that's how we inform yeah. the writing in Rebels, yeah. because that's the history that these characters carry in their heads. So. 
So he says that these stories that they've already mapped out for Ahsoka is definitely informing the way they wrote mm. her character into Star Wars Rebels. So they do consider this stuff to be still on the board as far yeah. as the character development goes for Ahsoka. So that's, that's rather reassuring. It's and, real backstory at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's all it is, too. That's all it is. You know, it, it's like in the... Uh, it, it's, it's very much like when George Lucas told us essentially the origin of Darth Vader. He got in a battle with Obi-Wan Kenobi around a volcanic planet, whatever, and, and mm-hmm. he got knocked into it and became Darth Vader. I mean, it was yeah. the, the wounds <laughs> he, he suffered in that battle. And, and George had discussed that with Rolling Stone magazine going way back to uh, 1977, Do you think he just sort of made that up on the fly? When he was hey, talking to a volcano. <laughs> How did he become Darth Vader, George? Uh, he's looking around. There's like a lava lamp on his desk. <laughs> yeah, lava. yeah, volcano. Volcano. Yeah, <laughs> lava, lava. That's the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, but you're right. I, I don't remember. Um, you, you mentioned the Rolling Stones. That, that's where it, it was first appeared. But because I'm trying to remember where I heard it, I feel like I read it on the back of a trading card. It may, at some point. It, oh gosh, maybe it did end up on the back of a trading card. You no, know, my friend, uh, he had a brother who worked in uh, worked in the movies, um, and he was able to. This goes to like 1994, I think. He was able to get a synopsis of Episode Three. Now, I, I think it was a fake. Because I don't believe that George Lucas had the, the, the prequel trilogy mapped out. Certainly don't think he had Revenge of the Sith ready to go. But the odd thing is, I saved it. And a lot of what was in this, uh, it was about 25 pages long, this synopsis, ended up coming true. Which is, I, I, I still don't know exactly where it came from or how it was. But it was my friend who, who, whose brother works uh, he was working for Fox Studios at the time. He said, "Here's a here's a synopsis." Now I don't know. You know, this could have been created by some writer or or any. It could have been created by anybody. But it was just always odd to me. So yeah, I mean, that story basically became total mythology by the mid '90s. We we knew, you know, it was this volcano, and and essentially it was Obi Wan Kenobi who shoved <laughs> shoved <laughs> Anakin Skywalker into lava. Um, <laughs> So yeah. I, I in don't your know script, in your script, does it say anything about the high ground? <laughs> don't, high do ground? don't do it! Don't do it! I've got the higher ground. Um, it doesn't say anything. It certainly doesn't call it a Mustafar. So I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm, you know, I have one eyebrow raised about where this script came from. But I, I always look at it from time to time and say, boy, there's, a, there's, there, there are a lot they of things close. So this is, yeah, this thing you say predates the prequel trilogy, then. Yes, it, it was. It was uh, about 1994-95. Was this about? I and did say, it call itself Episode Three, or was it just like? Uh, it did. A, it, it, it called itself Episode Three, but it did not have a title. It did not oh, say Revenge of Sith. Wow. Yeah, and and, and the, the the thing that uh, the other detail that um, I remember being very similar is is just how they explained sort of the execution of the Jedi. And, and going from planet to planet and this and that. Now, again, you, it, it seemed very similar, but, but if you want to be skeptical, you could say, well, that's how it, it must have worked. You know, the, the Jedi would have been scattered across the galaxy. And so it only makes sense that, you know, when you're showing how the Jedi become extinct, you're going to go from planet to planet um, and, and show all that. But I, I will say that, that it, it, it strikes a, a very... Hmm 
similar. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of similarities to the actual film. Yeah. So you know, behind all these legends, there's always a little kernel of truth. That's so. right. Um, but uh, anyway, all right. So we got an email from uh, a guy, Rebel Force Radio listener, EJ Culper. That name sounds fake. <laughs> it, for some reason, it sounds to me like a, an alias. EJ, EJ that was me. Culper. EJ That's Culper. me. I, I, I apologize. Was that, this is you? <laughs> no. <laughs> Eastside Culper. Turns out we only have one listener. It's Dave. He just uses all these aliases. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, That's EJ Kuiper. Oh, is it Kuiper? Yes, Kuiper. Oh, okay, I don't have my glasses on. So that 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 I looked like an L from here. Okay, Kuiper. You should have got that LASIK. <laughs> yeah. ha! Right. Anyway, so uh, he was listening to an old episode of Rebel Force Radio, the very first episode, actually, of Rebel Force Radio from January 2013. He says, I was listening to uh, your premiere episode from January 13 the other day and was struck by something discussed during your interview with Dave Filoni. I believe it was Jimmy. Uh, of course he was, who asked about the Andron arc and how it perhaps provided us with some insight into the birth of the rebellion. Dave's response was very interesting, and he mentioned the Alliance and Saw Gerrera. Even though this interview aired a couple months before the Clone Wars was axed and two years before the Rogue One movie and other spinoffs were announced, could it be that Rebel Force Radio had the worldwide scoop all the way back in 2013? <laughs> how much do you think Filoni knew at the time? Play back the audio. I think your listeners would get a kick out of it. So, Jim, you uh, you dug this up? I did. I dug it up. And uh, Dave talks about the birth of the rebellion more so, like in broad terms. Um, he he does talk about how it it splinters off of the Andoran arc. But I think when you listen to this audio, you get great insight into what we can expect the rebels to. Uh, sort of how they come together in Rogue One, and also it explains how the Rebellion is is building in Dave's own Star Wars Rebels. I think it provides a lot of insight here, and you'll find that a lot of this uh, game plan, if you will, came from George Lucas himself. When the Onderon arc was airing, we had heard from uh, various sources that that was kind of supposed to indicate the birth of the Rebellion the rebellion, which we assume to be the rebellion against the empire, that somewhere in there, there were the seeds of what we know to be the rebellion that fought against the empire in the galactic civil war in the original trilogy. So are we to assume that or are we way off base? No, I, that's, that's pretty much the case. I mean, I think the thing about the rebel alliance, when you, when you look at it, is that it is an alliance and it's not any one particular group. And to understand how that comes about, one of the ideas George had was that the, the Jedi had trained these groups all over the galaxy. So there were these Jedi-trained pockets of rebels on all these different planets eventually that when the Empire would rise up, they wouldn't really follow that any more than they were going to follow the Separatists because they would be a, a bit more... Um, divergent a group with leaders like Saw and and not really want to, to follow tyranny. So the issue then for them in the long run becomes that, that they don't have a central leadership and they're not even aware of each other because they're on entirely different planets. So I don't know down the line on, on some other, you know, entirely different uh, Star Wars story, there's probably a story about how those... Uh, 
those those rebel groups align. Um, I, I think that some of that flies against what might have been shown in the Force Unleashed, but that's that's kind of like its own thing at this point. It's a different thing. So, but yeah, that's that's basically what was uh, being stated there about the Rebel Alliance. Ah, wow! Three years ago, yeah. January 2013, uh, almost four years ago, um, uh, Dave Filoni really laying out the sort of the the whole. Uh, idea really behind Star Wars Rebels and what we're seeing right now unfold as these divergent groups come together. That's it. And yeah, and the circumstances that bring them together. And of course, this is uh, all dovetailing into Rogue One. And uh, I think you're right. I think you're right, EJ. We had it first. Worldwide <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> it's I, just- I agree. I agree with EJ. <laughs> I mean, and Jason, I think, uh, you know, you, you know, you guys often have things that a lot of people don't think about. And then now, I, you know, it's it's become commonplace to go on the Internet and say that, like, for instance, um, not to change topics too much, but say from from episode seven, that Snoke might be uh, Darth Plagueis. And I, I, I heard that here on uh, Rebel Force Radio first. I, I I can absolutely swear that that was you guys were the first to kind of bring that up, and I think maybe on Star Wars Oxygen, um, David W. Collins and Jimmy were playing a little bit of the music from the Emperor um, when uh, when when Palpatine was in that opera hall talking to Anakin from Episode Three. Oh yeah, three. yeah, yeah, that and, weird opera box. Exactly, and bringing that music to uh, the fact that when Snoke talks, it's a very similar sound. So, you know. I, I, the source for the force, that's, that's, <laughs> that's no lie. Well, I, some I, of it's just, we've been around for so long and we, talk, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that is a little bit of it, uh, Jim, right? We've, we've been around, we've talked to people for so many years that we're bound to get Floney in trouble at some point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like Alice falling right through the hole, you know, <laughs> she doesn't, she doesn't know what hit her, but, uh, <laughs> you know, um, it's uh, cool to hear Dave talk about that. I mean, really laying down the foundation for oh, yeah. a lot of the motivations for the characters in Star Wars Rebels. And I'm sure it's going to maintain that consistency with Rogue One. Um, you know, it's a bunch of ragtag bands uh, causing problems for the Empire. And they're just scattered all over the galaxy. The Empire's what? oppressive might has been just so overwhelming that... There are many people who are standing up, and they're doing so in the shadows because they know to do so outright, open, and public, it's going to bring down the hammer of the Empire right on top of them. So they have to work privately, they have to work independently, and they have to work under a shroud of mystery because they can't just come out in the open. It's guerrilla warfare, and uh, they're looking for that leader. So I think we're seeing these different bands start to come together in star Wars rebels. And then by the time of rogue one, it's getting much more organized and there is going to be that figurehead. And it appears that figurehead will be Mon Mothma who will be calling all the shots and bringing all of these rebels together. Right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. I I totally agree with that. Mon Mothma is in charge. She, I mean, just from the rogue one trailer in and of itself, I, I do have a question for the, both of you guys um, regarding this, um, you know, from from uh, Dave Filoni into Rogue One. Do you think that Saw Gerrera will be the only um, animated character brought to life in Rogue One? Or do you think that there's a chance we get other characters, either from Clone Wars or Star Wars Rebels? 
That's a great question. And a lot of fans have been speculating that. They write us at show at rebelforceradio.com and they say things like, I believe Kanan is going to be the blind warrior in Rogue One, the Donnie Yen character. Right. And they, they think right. that, you know, the name Shirit is just a smokescreen for who he actually is. Because let's keep in mind, Kanan, that's not even his real name, Kanan Jarrus, that is an alias. For the character in Rebels. So who's to say he doesn't take on another alias? You never know. I mean, you never know. I don't think so, though. I think they're going to be establishing a whole different crew. And maybe, if anything, we'll get an Easter egg that pretty much only the hardcore fans like like us guys here are going to pick up on. You know what I mean? Now, going back real quick to that quote from Dave, he was talking about a a story idea that George had that that Jedi were the ones that were training these these pockets of rebels. Okay, well, then Kanan definitely comes into play. Kanan comes into play. But that means that there would be others. And so this whole argument, you know, I know that a lot of the fans, you know, as we as we started to realize, you know, we we, so when we understood that Kanan was going to play a significant role. And uh, a lot of people said, well, no, uh, you know, Luke was the last of the Jedi. And they take that so literally to mean the last Jedi. Right. But, you know, the, the, the dialogue is last when I am gone, when gone am I the last of the Jedi will you be? So you could assume that there are a few others out there. And I think, you know, this this um, exchange from with between Jimmy and, and Dave about an abandoned plot point that George had uh, kind of proves that, that yeah. we're looking at, you know, a, a, the Jedi were finding ways to strike back at the empire by training the, you know, these resistance fighters. Yeah. I, I, I think that's such a good uh, point. And, and also I just would like to say that it, it speaks to how brilliant George Lucas was, in my opinion, of just setting up all of these films by leaving holes of mystery so that people can feel free to either fill in the gaps with their imagination or, you know, other storytellers can fill in some of these gaps. And, and it makes it so unbelievable. Um, I, boy, oh boy. Now it's, it does raise a question though. I mean, uh, yeah. Are there other Jedi out there um, in the era of episodes four, five and six? I yeah. suppose that is a possibility. That would be cool if that made the the transition from, you know, story meetings with George Lucas about the Clone Wars into Rogue One, and there is a surprise appearance by a Jedi all of a sudden in that. Right. Game. That would be great. That would be great, especially if it was a Jedi that we knew. But I find yes. it. I think it's uh, kind of interesting. Also, uh, this uh, interview was recorded January 2013, um, about 14 months before. The uh, announcement was made by Lucasfilm that they were wiping out what we knew as the expanded universe and moving forward with uh, a new storyline as far as publishing goes. And it's Filoni, though, who says in this interview, 14 months prior to that decision, that the Force Unleashed doesn't really fit into this whole idea about the birth of the Rebellion according to conversations he had with George Lucas. It didn't really fit in, and it's kind of its own thing at this point, is what Dave says. So essentially, there were things dropping off the map left and right before we got that 
announcement to cleanse and start fresh. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of hints. Yeah. There were a lot of hints along the way that that was coming. Um, and I, I, I just, you know, it's hard for me to put myself back into that mindset of, were we really aware that they were going to clean the slate on the expanded universe, you know, a year yeah. or two before they actually did it? And I, I think we were, you know, with, without having all the confidence in the world, but we just saw signs that it was coming. Yeah, it definitely. What 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 is your take on the Grand Admiral Thrawn? Because that's that's an interesting. Because I I thought you know we were led to believe that the Timothy Zahn books are not canon, but if Star Wars Rebels is canon, then the character is canon. No. Well, yeah, the character itself would be canon, not necessarily the story the character was pulled from. Right. No, I, 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 t- I mean, obviously now with The Force Awakens, there, there's no way that the Timothy Zahn books could be canon. But it's, it does kind of it is a little bit of like a mind bender, like a back to the future. You know, uh, you know, when when is Christopher Lloyd? When does he find out or realize that, you know, the 1985 Christopher Lloyd is going to be shot by the Libyans type of deal? <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. It bends my mind a little bit that Grand Admiral Thrawn's coming back to Well, Rebel. you know, Kathleen Kennedy, in one of the very first uh, interviews that she gave about this, and it was around the time of, you know, she, she came in, they announced the new films, the EU was being uh, put out to pasture, but she said that, you know, with the acquisition that Disney was not just buying, you know, the films and the treatments for the future films, but also this, you know, treasure trove of... Uh, of characters uh, from the comics, from the novelizations, all of that, or from novels. And, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn's one of them. So they're going to be dipping their uh, pens in that ink of the expanded universe when it makes sense. And so uh, that's, you know, they needed a character clearly that, uh, you know, had a certain level of uh, uh, authority and some, they needed somebody from what I'm, can tell from the trailer that immediately resonated with the fans and told the fans this person was large, they're in charge. Because as Dave Filoni has said you know, many times on this program, they, they can't always be fighting Vader and Palpatine because then right. it makes them look completely impotent. So that by the time you get to the films, you know, it's like, well, these guys aren't scary. They're losing every week on this show. <laughs> mm-hmm. So they're having to up the stakes. They, they can't even really... Uh, 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 foil or you know, be a foil for Tarkin at that, you know, either. So they have to find new villains for them to go up against, and so the stakes have to continuously get higher. And I think that's, uh, you know, rather than create a new character, they're able to grab Thrawn. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great idea. I think that rather than create something new, why not use you know, this character that is so, you know, means so much. Um, but I just hope it's not one of those things like we dealt with with the Mandalorians in Clone Wars where they're like, well, but they changed everything. about Because I thought mm. this is not this exact same Thrawn from, uh, from uh, you know, the Zahn novels. There's going to be differences. We already know that the whole concept of the Salamiri is uh, out the window. Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't work with George, doesn't jive with George's, uh, vision of the force by the way you know you talk about these jedi that could still be out there at the time of um, the original trilogy one of them could be mace windu yes i don't know if you guys saw this according to samuel l jackson he thinks that mace is alive he's too dangerous to be left alive um, <laughs> nice. he's going around yeah at first he was going around criticizing the lightsaber battles in the force awakens and now he's um he's saying hey uh, you know mace is still alive in the universe he was did a um 
he stopped by the uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, radio show uh, several weeks ago. This goes back earlier this summer, actually. And um, they asked him about it, and he said that, um, yeah, he's, he's still alive. They asked him, what, what, what's Mace been up to, laying low on Tatooine like uh, Obi-Wan did? He said yes. And he also said that he talked to George about it. And uh, George said, no, I'm okay with that. You can be alive. <laughs> so, I, you know, we'll have to ask Pablo. Get on Twitter. Is that canon? No, George no. says so. <laughs> my uh, my little seven year old will will love to hear that. He is one of the world's biggest Mace Windu fans. So much so that every time he sees that we're watching TV and he sees one of those, you know, what's in your wallet? Sam Jackson banking commercials. <laughs> Mace Windu. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's, he's constantly wondering, why is Mace Windu peddling credit cards? <laughs> <laughs> well, things have, uh, you know. <laughs> things have slowed down yeah. for Mace. Yeah. <laughs> ever, ever since he decided to take Say Say Tin yeah. and uh, Kit Fisto and uh, who's, the, uh, who's the third? I always forget his name. Sacy Tin. Sacy Tin, Kid Fisto. Fisto. It, was, it, was, it was, no, it wasn't Plo Koon. It was. No, uh, no, it wasn't Plo Koon. Who are Plo we Koon. missing? It's. Uh, Bloop and the Jedi Starfighter. Oh, is it Agent Kolar? Agent Kolar, yes, Woo! yes, Agent yes. Kolar. Thank you, Alex. I will take <laughs> Dead Jedi for 500. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so those guys. All right, but um, hey, as far as Thrawn goes, before we get too far away from it, I just want to yeah. say I think it's really wise for them to bring back a character they know obviously works because Thrawn obviously works. I think he's probably the greatest villain ever to be created in the expanded universe. I think that the Inquisitors were getting dull and repetitious by you know season two. It, it was a flop. Those Inquisitors, I, I was—I never felt them to be a threat. I never felt them to be uh, intimidating. I, I thought they were goofballs, and and so it just wasn't working for me. Oh, Jimmy Merrick, a flop! I thought oh, it was a wow, flop. Yeah. Inquisitors, yeah, but they were. I, they were Grand Inquisitor was great. I, I thought the oh, other the original, two yes, absolutely. Were, Jason, were Isaacs. Yes. Ja- yeah. Jason Isaacs, Jason yeah. Isaacs, was uh, and, was fantastic. I just didn't care, and it, it has nothing to do with the acting. It has nothing to do. It just I just didn't feel like they had a place out. Outside of being Vader's stooges, which kind of works because Vader was present throughout a lot of season two. If he wasn't there necessarily, he was kind of omnipresent. His, his presence was constantly being felt. And so those those Inquisitors just felt like they were just stooges of his. So I like the fact that they're bringing in a character like Thrawn who can have that sort of gravitas, have that sort of intimidating factor. And, and you know how intelligent he is. He studies artwork to analyze his his enemies. And what's great about the fact that you're inserting him into Rebels is it just so happens to be one of the heroes of the show is an artist. She's a graffiti artist, and she's painting all over the place. So Thrawn's going to be checking out her stuff and learning a lot about Sabine, which brings, uh, you know, Sabine, uh, we've been hearing she's going to be featured more in season three, but that's also with the Mandalorian tie-in. And I really felt like the Mandalorian story was told in the Clone Wars, and it had always been said that Boba Fett wore the armor of a, a, a group of shock troopers that were defeated at the hands of the Jedi during the Clone Wars. So I don't really accept 
Mandalorian warriors existing within the era of Star Wars Rebels. Let's see huh. if they can come up with a clever way to, to do it. They, they featured Mandalorians a little bit in season two, and I felt like it fell flat once again. I mean, those are my really two big critiques of season two. If I have any, those are them. And yeah. so that's why I think it's great that we're upgrading in season three to a legitimate, intimidating villain that our heroes should fear because we know how powerful he can be. That's Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah, I, I thought the Sarah Michelle Gellar um, Inquisitor, I kind of liked her. She, she, I thought she had a little bit of presence, but yeah, I, I do agree that the, the big Inquisitor that hung around with her was a little cartoony, reminding me a little bit of... Um, you know, the uh, Bugs Bunny cartoons where you have that big dog and then the little dog and then which way do they go, George? <laughs> you know, yeah, he, he didn't do a lot for me, but uh, I, I sort of like Sarah's um, uh, thing. But, yeah, Thrawn, Thrawn is, is absolutely amazing. I, I remember even in, I, I don't know, seventh or eighth grade, I did a book report. It was the only time I did a book report and got an A-plus uh, on it. I think I, I had to spe- we all had to speak at the top of the class, and I just went on for about 25 minutes about uh, the Timothy Zahn book. I never book. thought about doing that. I wish I could have I got yes. to go back in time and do my book reports on <laughs> Star Wars. I, that might have actually caused me to read some EU. Guys, if, if, I, if I, <laughs> I turn back, grade. if I go in the time machine, I'm going to be doing book reports on Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I mean... <laughs> That is that is true. Hey, before yes. we leave uh, the subject of Dave Filoni, um, we got a, another. We got a comment. Well, this looks like it was on uh, Facebook, Jim, from Benjamin Spears. Yeah, that's right. He says, "Hey, RFR, this Filoni quote from the Rebels panel is one you could put on a loop whenever Dave is coy in interviews." And he provides us with this little uh, nugget of Filoni. What, what should I say? Filoni being Filoni. <laughs> I know who that is. And I'm not going to tell you. I know who that is. And I'm not going to tell you. I know who that is. And I'm not going to tell you. Uh huh. Yeah, that sounds like Dave. Coy. That sounds like Dave. Coy. Very coy. I know who that is. And I'm not going to tell you. I know who that is. Is that Ashley back there? Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you. It's like a remix. And I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> all right, there so that's times, it. There, there are times where, and I give you guys all the credit in the world because, I, to me, for Star, well, I, I, look, for 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 me, you've made Dave Filoni a household name, and and it, it's because of your interviews on Rebel Force Radio. And there are times where he reminds me of Yoda, but not you know the actual Jedi Master Yoda, the trickster prankster yes. when we first <laughs> when we first meet him uh, at Dagobah, you know stealing Luke Skywalker's space breadsticks, Yoda. Yeah, you know yeah, you're so right. He's talking in circle. It's, it's like okay, now, what, what what are you trying to say no, here? No, 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 that's quite keen of you to pick up on that because <laughs> yeah. he does like to torture. And, yeah. and there is there is a very sadistic quality to the man. And, right. But I mean, other than that, we love him. Right. But right. He, <laughs> he has he has beat me with a cane before, too. And, and my favorite well, is my favorite is when he tries to pit me and Swank against each other. And then he just sits back and laughs yeah. as, as we as we almost come to blows. 
<laughs> all the time. God forbid if Jason is, you know, uh, away on a business trip excursion. And then, yes, he starts yelling at Jimmy. He starts saying, I, I don't want to do the interview yeah. if Jason's not here. I know. I mean, you know, I do my prep work for these things. Come on. I know. It's, it's crazy. All right. Well, let's get some revenge back at Dave. How's that sound? Sounds great. And I know what you're saying. Yeah, so I, yeah. Well, let's just open up the box and do this thing. It's time yeah. for RFR Slow and Tell. <laughs> That's right. This week on RFR Slow and Tell, it, it, of course, you guys know what it is. It's when we take audio of ourselves or various Star Wars celebrities. We take that piece of audio down into the Rebel Force Radio Sound Lab. We slow it down by 50%, and the result is... A drunken mess. You sound like you've been completely overserved when you get slowed down by fifty percent. So, uh, so if if you know if, if you're ever in a situation where you find maybe you've had too many cocktails and you you need to sober up quickly, just speak fifty percent faster than you are, and you'll be fine. Works so, for me every time, officer. So, uh, Osifer. So, um, RFR slow and tell this week. Of course, we're going to shine the spotlight on Dave Filoni. Yes. Dave Filoni is going into the Rebel Force Radio Sound Lab, and I can't wait to hear what comes out. I'm really, 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 really <laughs> ever affected by fan opinion. I just can't allow myself to be. You get a wrong story. <laughs> But I was very adamant after the season two finale that that was it. For Ahsoka on Rebels. And then he just fell down. He just fell down and went to sleep. Yeah. I can almost envision Obi-Wan telling him, you, you, you're you going to go home and rethink your life. Yeah. <laughs> At that space bar from episode two. <laughs> so Dave Filoni, oh. after a box of wine, that's uh, pretty much what you get <laughs> on RFR's slow and tell. That's, oh. that's how he sounds when the uh, Penguins lose the Stanley Cup. Oh, or <laughs> when they win. <laughs> or, or when they, actually, that's more accurate, by the way. So, you know, sometimes in, the, 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 the funniest and uh, most interesting things happen before and after we actually record Rebel Force Radio. And the, that was definitely the case last week. We had a special friend of ours and a guest, uh, Al John Go. And Al John, after we had wrapped the show, started telling us this great story about being in uh, being at Disneyland and seeing George Lucas there. Yeah. And of course, George has been such a fan since he he was a kid. Isn't there? Wasn't he there the opening day? Yeah, that's right. Nineteen fifty-five. Yeah, he 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 actually made the trip there, I believe, by himself to meet up with other relatives, and he was just a kid at the time, and uh, he was there. Yeah, from the very beginning, and of course, he travels all over the globe, and he was recently out in Shanghai for the grand opening of that new park. So yeah, it's not uncommon to actually have George Lucas sightings at these parks, but Al John was there. Wow. Yeah, so here's uh, here's Al John telling a story of actually being at Disneyland and uh, lo and behold, seeing George Lucas there. At the D23 Expo last year, when George was being inducted into the Disney Legends pantheon right. at the ceremony, I'm at Disneyland. So myself, 
my wife Kristen and our Sorcerer Radio correspondent, Big Bubba, were all standing in line to go into the tiki room. And we look to the left of us, and there's George. There's George and his little entourage. And George had his newborn there and all that. And, you know, he's eating a dole whip. It's all like in his beard and stuff. You're exactly right. They got a dole whip for the entire family. And then Bubba goes, Al John, look, it's George. And I said, Whoa, that's so cool. We're going to go into the tiki room, and George is going to be right next to us. And lo and behold, he was. Wow. So we're sitting next to George and his family. And he's literally looking up in awe. And the Tiki Room, if you don't know, is an animatronic uh, singing bird show that is Polynesian themed. And they're all singing birds and plants and, you know, Hawaiian music abound. And it's been there forever. Yeah, it's been there basically, you know, since it's the first animatronic attraction that Walt Disney put together. And it was state of the art back in the sixties. So everything in the room comes to life. The it tiki does. statues on the wall. Yes. They're singing everything. Every, absolutely, through. absolutely. Flowers, birds, it's yep, nuts. Yep. It's a whole show. And we're sitting there and he's singing along to the music. He's oh. tapping his foot, singing along, and I'm looking, I'm like, I'm saying, Kristen, Kristen, look, he's singing the tiki 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 room song. <laughs> and I was like, tiki, it's tiki, just so exciting. Tiki, and then and and of course, what did he say? You know, during the panel, he said that he was always enamored with Walt Disney. And what I wanted to tell you is that it was just such a magical thing to experience a Disney attraction with the Disney legend, the legend, the man, uh, the maker, George Lucas and his family. And I didn't I didn't have the nerve to go up and say hi. I just wanted him to enjoy himself, him and his little flannel shirt and his little (laughs) bucket hat. And. When he was talking about it during the ceremony, I just was like, and I was there, and I saw the love of Disney that the man had. And here's my thing. As we bring Star Wars together with Disney and Marvel fans, Pixar fans, Muppet fans, whatever the case is on Sorcerer Radio, I have to say this. George Lucas belongs in the pantheon of great American storytellers. George Lucas, Walt Disney, Vanguards, Jim Henson, and Stan Lee. And you can put them on on Mount Rushmore today. And the fact that all of those vanguards are under one roof just makes me so proud to be a Disney Star Wars Marvel fan and a Muppet fan. So that is my run-in with George Lucas. Not like Jimmy Mack in a taser. But, uh, <laughs> that was I, a, that was a great moment too, though. Yeah, that was a great moment, I have to admit. But uh, I, I was to. I was actually animatronic in that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I, but you I know what's it. you know what's incredible, Al John, yes. is that that incredible day at Disney when you were there with George Lucas in the Tiki Room. Our our Rebel Force microphones were there. Is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right. And we actually have uh, a recording of George Lucas watching the Tiki Room show here. If if I may, I'm just gonna. I'm going to play it here right now. So uh, if you listen closely, faster, more intense. <laughs> I like the idea of him getting rowdy. Yeah. Heckling Too much of the dole whip, I guess. More dole whip. <laughs> he does get rowdy. Hey, you know, he better watch all that sugar consumption with a dole whip. But, uh, <laughs> 
He's like SpongeBob at Goofy Goobers. He's had had too much sugar. I gotta get a tiki room at the ranch. Gotta get the birds. Tiki tiki room. Come on, Melody, sing. Sing. Faster. She's scared to death. You're always like this when we go to the tiki room. We can't take you anywhere. All the birds sing words and they power scream in the tiki 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 room. Knowing you love it, from Tops comes the digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Yes, collect and trade over 1,000 officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. All of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe are here, including replicas of those amazing and iconic original 1977 Top Star Wars trading cards to futuristic all-new cards with exciting digital twists. And of course, you can find exclusive content from the all-time U.S. U.S. box office champ, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Download it today in the App Store or in Google Play. And of course, we're using the Star Wars Card Trader app here at Rebel Force Radio. You can always trade with us here 24-7, 365 days a year. Just search username Rebel Force Radio and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the Tops Star Wars Card Trader app. These are the cards you're looking for. Good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right. Lots of stuff to get through, including some rumors about the Han Solo. What? Trilogy? Yes. Trilogy? Trilogy. Well, that's the rumor. The rumor is that uh, Hail Caesar star Alden Ehrenreich has actually been signed up to do several movies. So um, this is this you know this is one of those a source familiar with the matter. I love those. Um, nobody is uh, on record with their um, you know by name, but they say there is a real sense of excitement. This comes from New York Daily News, by the way. Real sense of excitement around the Han Solo movie and its potential. Mm. Given that Han's early adventures do not need to be tied to the Empire, it leaves storylines open with the opportunity to really give fans something different. They can explore new galaxies and crazy creatures and bring in a wide array of new characters. They feel that his character has the right potential to become a central figure in several movies. They're keeping things under wraps at the moment, but the deal is that he has signed on for at least three movies. That's one more than Harrison Ford himself signed up for. Don't do it, kid. <laughs> You're going to be asking to be killed off after the second one. <laughs> but yeah, you know, <laughs> right, he wants to be killed off in the prequel. Right, we have a problem with that. That's not going to work. Um, he's trying to be so much like Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, so there you go. So the um, the first one uh, directed by Phil Lord, Chris Miller. Um, Maybe just that, uh, the first in uh, an adventure series. 
and you know, I mean, this isn't obviously the first time the uh, the daily novels, the adventures of Han Solo. I mean, he's been a character just ripe with potential to kind of be spun off uh, on his own. I mean, he was one of the first characters, Jim, to actually be spun off well, in his own adventures. Yeah. If you're talking about the Brian Daly novels, yes. and not only mm-hmm. that, though, not only that, when Marvel Comics moved on from its six-issue adaptation of the original Star Wars. Issue number seven kicked off with Han and Chewie leaving the Yavin base, shaking Luke's hand and saying, see you later, your highnessness, hopping on the Falcon and going off on their own adventure. So even in the comics, they were the first characters to be spun off in into their own adventures, and they went on uh, sort of Magnificent Seven kind of adventure uh, with, <laughs> with, with a weird crew, including Jackson the Green Rabbit. But uh, that's where you guys can find him if you didn't know. Uh, issue 7, 8, 9, coming right out of the gate. Uh, I believe in those Marvel comics it was like, beyond the movie, beyond the galaxy, you know, <laughs> something crazy. <laughs> but, um, but so, yeah, Han Solo definitely... It's so easy to, I think, the the character of Han has that kind of real flexibility where you can drop him into a ton of different situations with a ton of different characters, establish quick histories between the characters, and then move on in all kind of weird directions. So I see it, I, you know, of course... The corporation probably has a loophole. They have an out. Should the first young Han Solo film be a complete flop at the box office? But you know it won't be. It'll bring in $350 million on its first weekend. And the announcement that a, a sequel is already coming, is a been greenlit, is uh, premature right now, maybe. But I don't think so. It's It's... These movies are just going to generate gold. So I really hope that they're going to do the right thing and make it a Star Wars movie and not spin it off into something completely weird and bizarre. A film featuring songs by the Beastie Boys and Rihanna, for example. Okay. Gee, what could you possibly be referring to? That's just random example. I just pulled them out of the sky. But I'm just saying we don't want to see that or hear that in a Star Wars film. Damn it. Damn it, Jim. Um, uh, Sorry, just talking to myself. Yeah, I mean, I think Han Solo is so hot right now. Once again, I mean, he was always everyone's, you know, a top three or four favorite character. And he is arguably the funniest character. So you could play comedy, you could play action, and then, of course, romance with Han Solo. Yeah, I mean, the whole... Story-wise, it's he. Yeah, he's he offers, the, to- the total package character. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. He he offers a lot of avenues to go down. Yeah, yeah. There's no doubt about it. And you know, he doesn't have to because he's not uh, a Jedi or Force sensitive or really even tied to the rebellion at all until the events of A New Hope. You have a lot of room uh, to play with in the whole Han Solo uh, backstory. So uh, I think it's a great idea. I mean. To your point, uh, Dave, this is a character that really was sort of George Lucas's device to introduce us into this world. It's 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 the eyes through which um, kind of we as the everyday person were seeing the events of the uh, original trilogy. And so it makes tons of sense in, in my book uh, to have him kind of be those eyes that as we're introduced into this whole new. Yeah standalone world yeah he gives you the real world perspective and makes all the crazy events happening around his character easier for us to decipher 
because it's so insane, but yet he's approaching it from that sort of cynical, world-weary perspective, and he sort of takes you through it. So if you can see the film through his eyes, which is yeah. going to be interesting to see a, a complete Star Wars film through the perspective of Han Solo. Well, I Force say, Awakens was close. Yeah, you're, you're right. Your Force right, Awakens I, was close. I, I mean, still, he was still doing that when you know they're approaching Maz Kanata's scenes. palace, and he's like, "Whatever you do, don't stare." <laughs> you know, <laughs> any of it. So I mean, it, it. once again, he's 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 back in that role of letting us, the audience, know that you're going to see some crazy stuff through that right, door. Right, right. So he he takes us through it, even though I think at that moment we're still seeing things through Ray and Finn's perspective, but he's telling us as the audience, too, you know, that yeah, we're right. going to see some wild stuff in Aaron. And as far as Alden goes, I, I don't know how much we really have spoken about Alden, but I think his big Star Wars debut happened at celebration, he came out on stage, and everyone was, you know, summing him up. You're, you're looking at him, and you're thinking, "What's this guy going to be like with a haircut and a black vest on, hanging out with a Wookiee on on board the Falcon?" And he just seems to have the looks and the swagger to me. I I would like to see him bulk up a little bit, but again, he is playing the younger version of Han Solo. So I think if they give him, you know, all the right touches, then I I, I think it'll be pretty convincing. Um, the voice again. We'll see. We'll see what direction he goes in. Is he going to be trying to do an impersonation of Harrison Ford through this film? Or is he going to, like, very much like uh, Chris Pine was channeling William Shatner in all three of those Star Trek films? And, and same thing with Carl Urban and DeForest Kelly. You pick up on it. Yeah, but you, you know, know what? Carl Urban, the more he does that role, the more he sounds like a guy who's had a little too much to drink doing his best Dr. McCoy impression <laughs> at the family reunion. <laughs> I notice I notice it slips. His 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 I, I notice he slips. I I'm not saying he slips out of character, but it just sometimes it's like really bones. It's it's real over the top, yeah, you know. I is. mean, uh, but Pine, I've, I'm glad you brought up Pine because even though I was, uh, you know, a little, a little cold on the film, um, you know, all, I, I've, I've enjoyed his performance in every one of those because, you know, Shatner, how can you resist? I mean, it's so meaty, you know, to, to, then there's so much material to work with, but he uses a lot of restraint, but he gets a certain little, uh, twinkle in his eye, and he he'll do something that you go, oh my god, that is so Captain Kirk. It's something about <laughs> the integrity of the character, and yeah. William Shatner definitely is is someone who who made that character what it is. So, you know, I don't want to see my James Bond constantly doing a Sean Connery impersonation, but when it comes to a character like Captain Kirk or maybe even Han Solo. I want to see it grounded in the foundation that the original actor laid there, you know, before it goes off. You know, then you can maybe take it off into some different directions here and there. Um, but uh, I think we're all expecting to see a little bit of Harrison Ford in Alden's performance when this film finally hits the screens. But well, as, as also, as you were mentioned, if you guys were just mentioned, I think it's also important to capture episode four. Harrison or Han Solo, because we're used to seeing Han Solo 100% the hero these days, you know, in the starting with Empire, Jedi, and of course, The Force Awakens. And in episode four, I think there's more shades of gray 
that I'd like to see that he's not the the absolute good guy that there is definitely a little mischief. Here's, yes. A, you know, here's a guy who who preemptively, as we all know, shot Greedo. I want to see that he's got a little touch of darkness and selfishness that I would like to see. Because now by the end of episode seven, he's selfless. A thousand percent. I, w- I want them to go back. If, if they capture that, and I'm sure Larry Kasdan will, but if they capture that, then it'll be perfect, I think. Because the guy smiles exactly like Harrison Ford. Yeah, yeah. I think he's been working on that. Um, yeah. But but I got to tell you, that's a great point, though. Let's see a Han Solo who is that space pirate. Let's see him breaking some laws. Let's see him breaking some hearts. Let's see him yeah. breaking some balls. That's what I want to see from a young yes. Han Solo. Rough around the edges. Yes. Yes, yeah. definitely. Well, and you know the next big casting for that movie is going to be Young Lando. Yeah. That's going to be the next big one right there. Yes. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do with Chewie if they continue using, um, oh, I just had his name. Now it escaped me. Um, Jonas. 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 Yeah. Yeah. If they keep continue to use Jonas. They will. For this. Yeah. You think so? Yes. He's in for the long haul? I believe so. He's yes. the heir apparent? I believe so. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally excited about this. Now, there was a rumor some time ago that there was a possibility that we might see a young Han Solo. Uh, well, I guess he wouldn't be that young. Couldn't be that young, but uh, a younger Han Solo in Rogue One. Ooh. And that that might be their uh, sort of, uh, you know, how, how they kind of didn't they introduce a Spider-Man at the end of the last Avengers movie? They didn't know yeah. actually in the middle. And it was. The oh, best, it was the middle. Best part of the film was the stuff with young Spidey, in my opinion. You know, I, uh-huh. I'm a big Spider-Man fan, so I'm going to say that. So am I. So was it more than a cameo then? It was more than a cameo. Oh, yes. more than a cameo. Yes. OK, I think this was the rumor here uh, was that it was going to be a bit of a cameo. But I guess it doesn't really matter because uh, extra was out at Celebration Europe. They talked to Gareth Edwards and they asked him about whether we would see Han Solo in uh, Rogue One. And here's what he said. Yeah, but I just got to ask um, about all these theories that are out there. So there's the one about Han Solo, about him appearing. There's the one about um, Aiden Christensen. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to do this, but I think I should. Uh, I can put to bed Han Solo's not in the movie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for that. And then I also heard that it, like, this movie ends ten minutes before New Hope begins. I can't talk about things like that. So that's a yes. That is a yes. Yeah, he, <laughs> he he put the Han Solo thing to bed, but he couldn't say that. And you know, there was a little tone in his voice, like he he seemed like. He was perturbed. He was he, perturbed. Yeah, he was. I, I agree. You radio me. guys, you know what I'm talking about. You can tell yeah. him the voice. Oh yeah, he was. He, he, he wanted he to was, move on. He was not having any of those questions, and that's it. Though that's awesome audio because I watched all these the celebration coverage, and I thought he came across very very likable. Yep. I, I, I was such a fan of of his panel, um, but yeah, no, he kind of bit. Handsome dude. <laughs> he did. He did, yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. You put him yeah, in the. I can't talk about that. Take him about. off the stage and put him in. <laughs> take him off the stage and put him in the press room and. Uh, yeah, that's you know. what you get. Uh, but they also asked uh, Kathleen Kennedy the same question. Maybe they were hoping for a different answer. <laughs> well, of course, you know. I'm, <laughs> but you know, it's. Uh, isn't that what they say insane people do is the, they do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I don't have that either. So. I have it. Here we go. Okay, great. 
Um, now I've heard a lot of rumors about this uh, movie. One is that it ends ten minutes before New Hope begins. Ooh. What can you say? About I love that? that it's been reduced to that precise amount. <laughs> well, it definitely leads into New Hope. That's very intentional. But it's a completely new and separate set of characters, and it's a story that sits outside of anything anyone would necessarily know in New Hope. Now, I also heard that um, Hayden Christensen could possibly make an appearance. Can you shed any light on that? No, that is not true. That's not true. No. You can confirm. I can confirm not that. Be in he is not. Okay. Him. And I, the other rumor is that Han Solo, a young Han Solo from the upcoming movie, might also. No, I can also confirm that. Okay. <laughs> See, I'm, the more I think about this, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. I mean, unless you're unless you're so convinced that uh, this Alden Ehrenreich can play essentially Han from Episode Four, right? It, it, it's it's not going to line up. I mean, you're not going to fool me. I mean, this would be a, a, an actual recasting then, yeah, you know, a la a la you know the, the the Star Trek actors. And we know that Han Solo is getting his own spin. I, I have a feeling like she, the interviewer, just made up this rumor because. <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, it, it it we know that Han Solo is getting a spinoff, and I, I don't think it's important at whatsoever, even if on a cameo level, for him to be in Rogue One. Now, here's and I'm sure we've got people listening. They're yelling at their uh, at their speakers right now in their car. Um, they're saying, "Well, what about a flashback?" Because we we believe that there might be the use of flashback in Rogue One, uh, where you see a Jin Erso as a as a maybe as a young cadet. Uh, could she be in class? Could she be, uh, you know, copying on a test next to, you know, another student? And it's uh, actually a, another young cadet, Han Solo. That would be hysterical. And like Dengar sitting there in the back row. <laughs> yeah. I mean, then then you're kind of reducing Han Solo to Spicoli from Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> I don't know if you want to go down that route. You Mr. Know? Han- Mr. Hand is the teacher. <laughs> Uh, we got something. No, be, we got and of course, he, no, well, well, we, we we need to play with this a little more because, uh-huh. of course, Alden will be channeling Harrison Ford at that moment. It'll be like, <sighs> Mister Hand, <laughs> if you're here and I'm here, <laughs> doesn't it make it our time? <laughs> <laughs> That's my skull. I'm so wasted. <laughs> no wonder Mr. Hand took away your space pizza and gave it to the class. <laughs> space pizza. <laughs> we have one more clip from um, yeah. from Gareth. He, they talk about the Rogue One reshoot. Is he in a better mood? No, Gareth? no, no. He's 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 snarling. And oh. uh, uh, stay away from me. Um, but no, actually. Um, I can't comment on on his actual demeanor, but I I would like to comment on the fact that just seeing Alden a few days ago on stage in London, I was looking at an actor who wasn't in the role. I think he'd have to be in the role to to be a part of the Rogue One reshoots that are happening right now. His hair looked too long, and maybe they're going to depict a young Han Solo with long hair, but I think they're going to be a little bit more consistent with the character we already know. Um, I think that he's an actor who is transitioning into the role currently. He's, he's probably working out 
Again, as I said, he might be trying to bulk up a little bit. And I think when he gets... Bulk up? I'm, 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 you keep saying this. Bulk up. Since when is Han Solo like some kind of a beefy... He's kind of a... I just feel like... He's a pretty not, lean guy. I'm not saying there. he's beefy. Okay? <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know... I don't even know how to really determine what is and what isn't beefy. But but by what I think the Jason Swank definition of beefy is, that's not what I mean. I just feel like that Harrison had a, a larger frame than Alden. Okay, that's that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying anyone is beefy. Okay. Yeah. Um so beefiness aside. <laughs> I would like. Maybe to he s- looks like that action figure. The, the when they first came back, the Hasbro figure. Oh yeah, yeah. They, the, they were all the, buffed the, up. The, the roid figures, we call them. Uh, <laughs> well, I tell you, by Jedi, to uh, just because I also want to say the word, he was pretty beefy. He did put on by some Je- weight when yeah, he was in yeah. the carbon freeze. When he was in the carbon freeze. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. He must yeah. so true. He, he must have been in. He must have been you know carbon freeze with some. Like Swanson frozen dinners in there with them or something. <laughs> well, you have to eat something. Something to eat. do. Yeah, something to yeah. do. Yeah. Very boring. You it, all, all you have to do is just eat, eat and sleep in that carb in, in carbonite. Remember you that hibernation fatness. I remember. <laughs> he's alive and in perfect hibernation, and he's <laughs> stuffing his mouth like a glutton. He's he's gained. 25 pounds, but... <laughs> why is that Ugnot on a spit? Why is he... Why does that Ugnot have an apple in his mouth? <laughs> this is no buffet. This is a carbon freezing chamber. <laughs> no wonder the Ewoks wanted to eat Han Solo, you know? That's he was, right. He was big. He was beefy. Good. So there you go, Alden. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta bulk up. All right, so Gareth, back uh, courtesy of Extra Celebration Europe, they're asking him about the reshoots. Oh, that's a, that's a way to charm him. Yeah, I've done reshoots on every film I've ever made. But I guess when you make Star Wars, you have a microscope over you, so, uh, which is fine and good. I, I have learned, I've learned fully through making films, and especially Star Wars, that you got. I don't believe anything I read online anymore. It's like someone suggests something, and then it gets copied and pasted about 20 times. And I forget the number, but I think after the 25th website, it becomes a fact. And, and so you read all these facts and you're like and if you get involved and try and stop them then it's an endless task so usually everyone's like okay just just let you know let everyone say whatever they want all right well thank god he said websites and not podcasts yeah (laughs) let's clear that up right away yeah but i hadn't heard the hayden one i don't think i'd heard the Hayden one well i think what really you know they don't go into any definition of what they're talking about, but I think they mean, will Hayden be wearing that Darth Vader suit oh. like he did at the end of Revenge of the Sith? But I think that was part of Hayden's contract was that he gets to wear that suit at the end and it makes a nice little piece on the DVD documentary. You yes. know, but I think when they're really, you know, considering let's bring back Darth Vader and make him a major force on the screen, they're going to get someone who's young, who's built like Dave Prowse was in his prime, probably even a little better, and and make him go out there and kick some serious butt. Yeah. So it'd probably be a guy who can, you know, like um, like uh, 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 Anderson. Um, oh, I'm I'm forgetting his first name. How am I forgetting the name of the first? Bob Anderson. Bob Anderson. The yeah. Like Bob Anderson, they're going to be looking for someone who can provide 
the acting chops for Vader, I think, along with being able to do the action and the stunts and all that. Just get the complete package. That's what I would be looking for. You know, before we uh, leave the topic about Vader here, this was um, a story. This, this appeared on comicbook.com. He, they actually spoke with, with Gareth about the trailer. Now, I'm not going to say that I've seen it, but I've seen it. I think we all probably <laughs> seen it. It leaked online a couple of times. And um, this is, the, of course, the trailer that was shown exclusively to those attending the Rogue One panel at Celebration. Those of us that were streaming and watching it from home, uh, no such luck. We got to see the three-and-a-half-minute uh, sizzle reel again. But those right. in the theater, uh, and by the way, just those in the theater, not those in the convention center watching via closed circuit, only the people inside the theater got to see the, uh, the new trailer. And, of course, the money shot at the very end is Darth Vader. Now, it's, it has made the rounds, so Gareth was talking about this shot of uh, Darth Vader in this um, a reflection of Darth Vader. That's what it is. In this red panel. Right. It's a reflection. I I thought it was like it was someone approaching from down a hallway and they were sort of just focused on the floor there and you saw Vader, but he was he was reverse image upside down. So it would be a reflection maybe on one of those shiny Death Star floors because you know how they love to shine those floors. Oh, yeah. I mean, think of all the stormtroopers that are there with the mops and the the Mr. Clean, and that's what they (laughs) did. We need that. We need the Mr. Clean trooper, and that would make a great little bit of cosplay, too. So well, and that's why that's why uh, Tarkin wore those little booties. Exactly. Yeah. So it was fun, you know, and um, and very clean. So they're looking at that that image on the on the on the floor as they're approaching into that control room or whatever, and it almost looks like you see his back, and he's looking out on a view screen or a holographic projection of a red planet. So it's it's crazy. It's mm-hmm. enough to take your breath away, even the crummy, bootlegged <laughs> versions right. we saw. Can't catch them all. It's the same Pokemon, uh, Star, <laughs> yeah, Wars, right. Star Wars Celebration. <laughs> Star- Whack-a-mole. <laughs> this is not Pokemon. You can't catch them all. Everyone is. Uh, they're probably going to be making us turn in our phones now when we walk into these events. But oh, uh, I have no doubt. Now, they Actually, did ask, comicbook.com did ask, um, how they came about that particular shot. And so I guess um, Gareth is known for doing this whole like kind of 360 degree filmmaking. So uh, he builds sets so that you can actually, he has choices when he's there filming if he wants to do a different angle rather than just being kind of um, stuck with, you know, a, a set that only has sort of uh, one view um, or a limited view. He wants to be able to kind of create this fully immersive world. And so it was just happenstance. He says that was all born that, that shot of Vader, the reflection shot of Vader in the console, he says was born out of all the experimenting we were talking about. You don't go, I want this. This is the shot I want. They built the whole set. They had a reflection. Vader went in there and we're looking at the reflection going, that's blanking cool. Wow. So as we're filming, we're like, go down, go down, and just playing around, and things happen that you wouldn't have asked for. That was a great example of it. I would have never have picked that shot, but then it's, it's in front of you, and you get excited about something, and he's such an icon. He's the most iconic character of all time in cinema, potentially. 
So to hear everyone cheer when they saw a silhouette, you feel like this is worth everything. So I love it. I love what yeah. I'm hearing because they're building the film not only in pre-production, not only in animatics and storyboards and script beatings, but they're building the film on the set. And there were some great moments. I mean, I think of moments in uh, Empire Strikes Back that Kirsch just let, you know, let's just wing it. And they just <laughs> came, you know, they came up with great stuff just there on the set, just Improvising. Yeah. The, the, okay, Chewbacca, one of the greatest humorous moments in the original trilogy. Chewbacca walking down the Death Star hallway, Mousedroid comes up, Chewbacca growls at it, Mousedroid speeds off. Improvised on set, not part of the script, not part wow. of any storyboards and nothing. But I, I think nowadays, with, with the technology being what it is and stuff, filmmakers, they have their sphincters are so tightened that they can't loosen up and actually help the film breathe as they're shooting it. They follow the storyboards. They follow the animatics note by note, step by step. And then they come up with a movie that ends up feeling hollow and shallow and, and- and and so I liked I I love hearing stories about this about magic just happening on the set like that. Yeah, and and they get locked into shots that you know otherwise uh, they they're they're basically ignoring magic. It sounds like Gareth Edwards is going to employ the use of uh, handheld cameras, and and that's uh, basically giving him a lot of freedom to go around and perhaps improvise shots even during battle sequences, which. To me, is amazing because, as you know, anyone who watches movies must know that you know these battle sequences need to be choreographed to a T. But if you have handheld cameras, you can shift uh, the uh, the view and you can shift the angle and 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 the the point of attention. I I, I think this is going to be a really interesting looking Star Wars movie. So I'm excited for it. They're going to put that on the posters. Eastside Dave says. This this looks like it's going to be a really interesting Star Wars movie. Right, hey, guys, hold on one second. Episode 8, we're actually wrapped production. We saw a series of social media posts from the likes of Anthony Daniels, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley, as they wrapped their last days of filming. Uh, Anthony Daniels said, sad yesterday. I wrapped up on episode 8, thanks to all the team, especially David and Joe, Kathy and Ram. <laughs> Who the hell is Ram? Ram, uh, he's he's one of the producers. Oh, he's okay. one of Garrett's. Oops. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that's the is that's that Ram? Ram? Yeah, yeah what, it's the you, Ram theme music. When, right. when you say Ram, that just happens. But I think his name is uh, <laughs> Ram or Rom, not Rom Space Knight uh, Bergman. Ah, I, I'm okay. not, I gotta look that up, but I believe he is uh, one of Gareth's producers. Gotcha, Jamie, and of course Ryan in all caps. I have loved it. XX. Hug, hug. <laughs> yeah, Ron, That was on Twitter. Ron Bergman is a film producer, and he's been working with Ryan since Brick, mm. oh. 2005. I would like to thank Moda Ram. You know, it's, it's <laughs> much like how uh, JJ brought on his whole production staff. Yeah, right. Well, these guys, yeah, right. I mean, you know, they, they want to bring in their, their pals. Yeah. They want to make mo- movies. I mean, George talked about that. Yeah, I want to make movies with my friends. That, that's the whole thing. The, the whole zoetrope and all that came out of that. Uh, so John Boyega, he, uh, he went to Instagram and I think he just wrote, what was it? Oh yeah. Done. Picture of him (laughs) on the back lot there. Short and Uh, sweet. Short and sweet. And, uh, Daisy Ridley, I believe, uh, what did she do? Oh, I don't have her. She did something though. 
I don't have her. She yeah. did something cute. Of course she, uh, she did. She uh, tweeted a Tumblr that said, uh, Ray Skywalker. Wait, 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 wait. She said, tweeted a Tumblr? She, she tw- <laughs> all right. Uh, sorry. I, all right, be, Grandpa. Let me be more specific. She tweeted a Tumblr to Instagram and said, Ray Skywalker out. <laughs> tweeted I like a Tumblr it. to Instagram. Man, yeah. oh, man. That's like, that's three degrees of social media. Wait. <laughs> Ray Skywalker out. That, that's got like a Seacrest vibe. I know. <laughs> All right. That's, oddly enough, Seacrest uh, retweeted the uh, the post on the the Tumblr. Oh, he did. Anyway, she called herself Ray Skywalker. No, okay. I just made that up. I, right. I'm making I'm making funny because Eastside Dave is here, and I need to make, give him I need to give him some chuckles. Hey, I'm an easy laugher. Don't worry about me. All right. Well, it, Ryan Johnson he shared. That uh, it's officially done. Uh, and did you guys see this? The final slate of the the final shot he posted. It's like a little. It's a little gif. No. Yeah, it's just him with the clapper. It was just a clapper board. Yeah. Yeah. Oh but, yeah, I did see that. I just, I, that's I, him I, throwing. Uh, you know, doing cut on the last shot. That's so. actually not a clapper board, but it's uh, it's a model of the new V wing starfighter. <laughs> <laughs> But just a little tight on this one. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, remember Hardware Wars? Well, uh... <laughs> the budget. I, that, that's the part in the um, Star Wars Force Awakens documentary that always makes me laugh is when uh, Harrison Ford is telling the story about the switches. And, uh, you know, if, if you oh, guys. Right, right. They don't move. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and he tells the guy on, on, the, on the set of episode seven, do you have enough money in the budget to put springs in the switches? <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, boss, we got the budget for that one. Yeah. yeah. Well, you see him, you know, as they're, as they're coming up to, you know, Takadana, as they're, they're landing, you know, he's, he's using the lever there to, to, to land the ship. Um, and I don't remember him actually having. A lever that moved in the right. in the original. He had and something. He used to grab that like multi pronged thing and like squeeze it in his hand. And <laughs> I don't know what the hell that was. What movie are you talking about? I'm telling you, I watch this stuff closely. You gotta, yeah, yeah you do. You gotta uh, freeze frame. Johnson <laughs> Johnson <laughs> posted on a Facebook. Uh, Eight is officially wrapped. Thanks to the best crew and cast in the galaxy, and thanks to the fans for all the love and support. Through the whole process, cannot wait to put it all together for you and share it with you. So there it is, episode eight in the can. Now, speaking of episode eight, we started talking about this a little bit last week. We uh, didn't get to it, but we'll talk about it this week. Um, so uh, Ryan Johnson said that there were a number of films that inspired him. And sort of, um, oh, might have influenced his take on episode eight. And so he, he, gave, the, he gave the list of movies. Uh, I must confess, I don't think I've seen any of them. But I thought we would run through them. Uh, IGN did a great job with this where they actually went through each film and then made some what they feel are some good guesses as to what a Star Wars movie like Episode Eight might borrow from some of these movies. Now, interestingly enough, the thing that IGN did not mention, but it was to, um, it was talked about in a uh, a post on the week in the UK, is that uh, one of the films that was very inspirational to him and one of the filmmakers was uh, Steven Spielberg, and in particular Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
So that I only saw that reported in one um, recap of this um, list. And so Raiders of the Lost Ark, Steven Spielberg. Well, so you guys ready for the list? You say, six you say, movies. You say yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, Steven Spielberg, period. But I prefer to say George Lucas's Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> well, strangely enough, there's no mention of George Lucas anywhere in the uh, six movies that might shape Star Wars Episode Eight. Uh, he doesn't even mention the other Star Wars movies. I just said, yeah, episodes one through seven. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. That's going to shape episode eight pretty well. Uh, but these are the movies. So are you ready, guys? Yes. All right. Number one, 12 o'clock high from 1949, Gregory Peck plays Brigadier General Frank Savage. To take control over the 918th Squadron, a demoralized U.S. Air Force unit tasked with daylight bombing of German targets. These daytime raids had much higher rates of success, but were also much more dangerous for the men undertaking the missions. That was a regular uh, in rotation uh, in my in my dad's house during the VHS days. Oh, that's a good dad movie. Yeah, that's oh, yeah. a good dad. Yeah, and I, I I have seen it in pieces. You know, come here, watch this for a few minutes with me. All right, <laughs> dad. No, come here. I want to watch Friday night videos. Get in here. <laughs> so I did watch uh, bits and pieces of that, but I'm definitely going to sit down and watch it again if Ryan is uh, suggesting we do so. Yeah, he says that it influenced Episode Eight the most. Now, um, the 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 thing about this, have you seen it, Dave? Uh, just like Jimmy, I've seen pieces of it. In my family, my mom's the film buff, and I, she's always got AMC on. I believe I've caught some of it. Once you said Gregory Peck. Uh, the, the movie does sound familiar, but again, just pieces of that. So the movie, you know, I guess at first uh, the, 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 the troops, they all hate um, Gregor Peck's character. Um, and they all start trying to turn in transfer requests, but he, he wins them over and the, he improves the mission success rates and he leads them on to victory. And so, you know, tough guy, tough love, tough leader. Hmm. Um, so let me ask you this. Which character in Episode Eight do you think will take on that sort of uh, monkey on his back? Mm. I I think it's Leia. Leia, actually, I don't, I don't, because she already has the support she needs, and I don't think she's going to be pushed to the outside. I think it's got to be Finn because he's the new guy. He came over from the other side, and he needs to prove himself. Yeah, and also this is young Gregory Peck, um, so it would make sense that it could be a Finn, perhaps a Poe, though, um, being that he's also you know he's a he's a in the military like Gregory Peck. It's a, it's it's a tough call. Maybe it's something that happens along the way that forces yeah. them to the outside a little bit among their own crew, right? Yeah, um, IGN says it's, they, they say it's uh, almost it's certainly misleading to look for a single direct analog uh, since both sides of the fight will have to deal with dejected armies following the enormous casualties suffered on both sides during The Force Awakens. Uh, but uh, who could be the most effective leader? Now, the thing to keep in mind about this movie is it's, it is a lot about leadership, leadership styles. Apparently, this is a film that's used in all kinds of, uh, you know, seminars and uh, about leadership and leadership theory in general. 
Um, but uh, they don't draw any conclusions. They just say, could it be Leia? Could it be Snoke? Could it be Ray? Could it be Ren? Uh, Jim, I'm coming around to your theory about it being Finn. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so you, you, your take on this is it's the new guy moving in. And, you know, how, how do the troops uh, sort of respond? Yeah. And in the case of Leia or even Poe, They've been there. They're too yeah, well. Who's the new face? They're the too well established. Yeah, they they have their support. They're too well established already. Right. I think Finn is the one who's going to be questioned by the soldiers around him, fighting for the same cause that he is now. You know, he's defected clearly, but um, but have some mistrust there. You but there's going to be mistrust. mistrust. Yeah. There's going to be mistrust, and he's going to have to prove himself to them. Right. Well, especially he's got that butt crack that goes to the back of his neck now. <laughs> Is that canon? I think that's. <laughs> Can somebody please ask Pablo? Tweet Pablo. <laughs> Pablo, just him. how tall is Finn's butt crack now? All right. Uh, number two, The Bridge on the River Kwai from 1957. Right. Of course, uh, I believe it won Alec Guinness an Oscar. It did? Yeah. yeah. That film. Um, so. What is the uh, what's the, what's the connection here? So I I have to tell you guys I've never seen Bridge on the River Kwai. Oh, this is that's a wonderful movie. Yeah, uh, I've seen that. So so tell us, Dave, uh, a, a little bit about the plot of that movie. What do you recall? Well, I mean, I haven't seen it in years, but it's 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 to me this is more similar to what they when we when we were first talking or, or when we first heard about Rogue One about um, a, a, basically a band of brothers, if you will, going out trying to find a, a mission for, for, for the bridge over River Kwai. Of course, it was the bridge over the River Kwai. That was the MacGuffin. In this movie, the MacGuffin, if you will, would be the Death Star plans. To me, this movie made the most sense in terms of the parallel. I think in the big... This it would be more of the, the the parallel would be the the plot I feel itself as opposed to say a character from that Gregory Peck movie. So I mm-hmm. think it, it just the the big scope of it, the bridge over River Kwai, to me makes total sense with Rogue One in terms of guys needing. It's a desperate mission. The odds are totally against you, but you you, you have to find a way because if you don't bad things the repercussions are just too big in 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 the star wars world of course the building of the empire i mean excuse me the building of the death star um and having that basically dominate the galaxy so th- it's it's a similar type of feel I, I i think in terms of plot yeah they speculate here at ign about um this the concept of this good and bad working together um and you know what what could this be? Could it be Leia working with Kylo Ren to take down Snoke? Um, so they're 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 drawing that they're drawing that comparison. Oh yeah, uh, hey, of, I was thinking of Rogue One for for crying out loud. Oh man, yeah. So so for uh, this is Episode Eight. Man, my my, right. my whole thinking was well, up. it's a big um, universe now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I had Rogue One on the brain. Um, jeez, for Episode Eight. Oh, my God. Now I'm totally baffled. Yeah. Well, that's why they're saying that, you know, the character that Alec Guinness plays, uh, this British Colonel Nicholson, uh, and the relationship that he has with the Japanese yes. uh, colonel yes. uh, could be a, a parallel to what happens with uh, perhaps 
Yeah. Ky- Kylo and um, Kylo and Luke. Kylo Ren. Kylo and Luke. Kylo and Leia. Um, Ray and and Kylo. Uh, who knows? But something about these two. Um, coming together somehow. Uh, the Man. third one here is Three Outlaw Samurai. Never. 1964. Not, not aware of that. We should have Mm-mm. Paul Babin on for this conversation because he'd be like, who oh, yeah, guys, you yeah, three, <laughs> three Samurai, you know, you haven't seen it. <laughs> I was just watching you? it yesterday. Just... <laughs> I was doing some artwork. <laughs> he, he has it on running loop. Actually. Yeah, right, right. Oh, Paul's seen everything. Uh, so this is from 1964. Um, and uh, so what the, the, the plot of this is a wandering ronin. That's like a, a ninja, right? Yeah. Uh, becomes tangled with two other samurai who are hired to kill a band of peasants who have kidnapped the daughter of a corrupt magistrate. So ronin's not like a ninja. It's more like um, that... Uh uh, medieval Japanese warrior, you know, um, swordsman. Like a hun? Swordsman. No, that's um, Chinese. I'm thinking closer to a samurai than a ninja. Yeah. Oh, okay. But I don't know. Again, I need Paul Bateman. Well, you know, we should <laughs> understand the biggest difference between ninjas and ninjas and samurais. <laughs> Paul's listening. We love Paul. We love Paul. Um, uh, all right, Star Wars has a long history of taking cues from samurai movies, they say. Kurosawa, anyone? It's easy to see how these themes could tally with the end of The Force Awakens. Will Kylo Ren realize the consequences of following Snoke blindly? Will he seek redemption through betrayal? Mm. Nice. I like that. Plot thickens. Um, I keep thinking that Kylo will uh, heed the call to the light. I believe this. I yeah, really redemption again, huh? I don't know. Redemption I don't again. know how much he can be redeemed. You know what with the patricide and all, but uh, you know <laughs> yeah. um, it's uh, that I, slows I, you down on the road to recovery. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> Killing dad kind of hurts you on the old karma train. There <laughs> sends you to the back row, but um, I, you know I I think that it's going to come down to he and Snoke having a face off. You know, and he's gonna he's gonna turn. He's gonna turn. Uh, letter, letter Never Sent, 1960. Three geologists and their guide head deep into the forest of central Siberia. After almost starving to death, they find a stash of diamonds. Mm-hmm. Before they can return, they are trapped by a forest fire that cuts them off. They must fight to survive. Wow. So how does this relate to Episode 8? Well, I mean, it's obvious because both, you know, I mean, I'm sure Letter Never Sent, you know, it has... Ewoks, it has Jawas, it has Tusken Raiders. Wait a minute, wait, wait, what? It, it has Dianogas. <laughs> Letter never sent. Letters never sent? Yeah. It's all in there, right? I don't, I'm not sure if we've seen that movie. Yeah, I don't... What am I reading on Wikipedia? <laughs> uh, let's see. Well, our heroes, maybe even villains, find themselves stranded with the odds stacked against them. Buried within the survival drama is a love triangle. Now, this oh. is where it gets interesting. So there is a love triangle in this film, which threatens to destabilize the group as they try to plan to survive. Uh, perhaps the budding romance between Ray and Finn will threaten to undermine the resistance as it challenges the First Order. So do we think that... Um, see, I think she gave him a big diss. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she was totally... T- I mean... 
totally doing the friend thing with mm-hmm, him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it, that that had friend zone written all over it. Just, just, just. I think she even might have called. Did she call Finn a uh, friend at the end when she says, "You know, we'll we'll, we'll meet again." I'll see you again. Yeah. yeah, she might have. Yeah, she might have said friend, and you know, he's pretending to be asleep there. Clearly. <laughs> He's, he's he's milking that situation. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. She gonna kiss me? What's gonna go on here? But he falls for her pretty hard and pretty fast. But I would love to see it happen. I mean, I. I but if I, the only girl that you've ever seen is Captain Phasma, I mean, right up to that point. <laughs> Submit your blaster for inspection. <laughs> All right, baby. <laughs> if, if blaster means what you what I think it means, you asked for it. 1939, Gunga Din. Never saw Gunga Din. Gunga Din. Like, definitely 19- had Banthas in it. It had... <laughs> wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. 19th century in India. It, saw- Although India, you could have had some Indian elephants mm. uh, that could have later ended up being in uh, episode four, New Hope. Maybe. Very, very old elephants, but yeah, it's yeah. Well, yeah, they live to be, you know... They good. do. Three, four, five thousand years. Uh, three British soldiers, as soldiers, and a local water carrier attempt to stop a secret mass revival of the murderous thug, thuggy cult. Isn't that from uh, Temple of Doom? It Wasn't is. That the thuggy yes, cult. The thuggy, cult. <laughs> the thuggy gang, or whatever they were yeah. called. The well, there thuggies. was a character named Thuggy. In uh, that was that was the big guy. The, the big, main guy who was who was not the main guy, no, not the little guy that ripped the other dude's heart out. The right. bigger guy, right? Oh, the big guy with the beard. Yeah, yeah, that was right. yeah, that was Thuggy, wasn't it? Oh, right. it this is about the Thuggy cults. <laughs> so British soldiers uh, and a local water uh, carrier attempt to stop. Hey, that sounds like a really boring movie. The water carrier, <laughs> what the guy delivering the Dasani to the office. <laughs> Uh, attempt to stop a secret, a mass revival of the murderous thuggy cult. Okay, so um, the thug cult, could that be the Knights of Ren? Could that be, you know, re- is that resurrecting the the the, the Sith, you know, Snoke? Um, Knights some of sort Ren. Of, yeah, Knights of Ren. Yeah. Knights of Ren. Yeah. yeah I like I, that, too. Yeah. I like that, too. Did you guys hear that uh, J.J. had made some comments that he would like to see the Knights of Ren backstory being spun off into its own film yeah i thought that was pretty pretty cool um but does it, would that mean that kylo ren would be involved in that so is, is he talking about an actual kylo ren spinoff or just a knights of ren spinoff let's see here uh what did he say recently about the knights of ren jj abrams would love to see a knights of ren anthology movie do we have any audio from uh from I don't JJ. think we have JJ audio on that. Let me look. Here, here. I'm going to the source. He was he was talking to Collider. Yeah, here we go. We have JJ himself talking about an anthology movie he'd like to see. I gotta say, you know, Kathy uh, Kennedy, who's running it all, uh, she seems to be sort of you know hitting all the right uh, pushing all the right buttons. I mean, I, I feel like there isn't something that I would love to see. I mean, there's a... I guess the one thing I would say is that there's a, there's a Knights of Ren story that I think could be pretty cool to, to tell. Cool. I'm going to leave it there. All right. 
Uh, so like that sounds subtle, like that subtle music that they use. On <laughs> it no, sounds no. like he has the backstory already. Yes. And we probably got a glimpse of that in Ray's force vision. But uh, obviously they didn't tell the whole story. So I, I think I get what he's saying. And that's pretty cool because last week we were talking about whether or not J.J. Abrams was kind of flying blindfolded as he was making The Force Awakens. And they just left a lot of empty story thre- or untied story threads for Ryan Johnson to figure out. And here you go. You deal with it. But it, yeah. it, he does talk about a, a fully fleshed out story for the Knights of Ren. So you have to assume there are many elements that came into play in The Force Awakens that do have fully fleshed out backstories and a direction in which they're going in. So this Knights of Ren story, he says, exists. It's already there. It's on the shelf. But it's there. <laughs> And somebody can pull it down and maybe even make a movie out of it. I bet more than anything, it ends up in a book. No, I think I think it'll be a comic book. Could be. Yeah. I think it'll be a comic. All right, last movie here: Sahara, nineteen forty-three. Uh, the crew of a tank attached to the British Army and commanded by U.S. Army Sergeant Joe Gunn becomes separated from its unit during a retreat from the German forces. The unit travels across the Libyan desert to rejoin its command. Along the way, it picks up an international crew of stragglers. The movie follows them on an arduous journey across a hostile landscape. Eventually, they reach a well, but it's almost entirely dry. German forces arrive, also in desperate need of water. What follows is a battle of wits as Gunn tries to bluff the German forces into thinking there's water in the well. Okay, so all these movies, or a number of these movies, are World War II films, mm-hmm. Yeah, good, which, good which is very interesting. So epic, epic battles, epic war, um, full out war. Um, the uh, going back to the, the the piece here from IGN, they say this this setup is very Star Wars like ragtag group of soldiers drawn from very different backgrounds unite to defeat a mightier force through cunning and collective determination. That could be really any of the Star Wars movies, really. Yeah. Um, but they say maybe there's something specific about both sides competing for the same resource. Could it be Ray? Or could it be the next generation of Jedi? Oh. So, um, The Force Awakens showed us a glimpse of her power. If properly trained by Luke, is it feasible that she could alone determine the outcome of a future war? So is she the weapon? The super weapon? That's an interesting idea. So there you go. Those are the six films that, according to director Ryan Johnson... Boy, Ryan gave us a lot of Netflix homework. Yeah, right. Totally. A bridge of a river quiet. It was one, one for six, I think. <laughs> Jeez. All right. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're going to be watching until our eyes bleed. But you know what? I, <laughs> I, I don't know about you, Eastside Dave, but I'm, I'm taking him up on that challenge. I'm going to watch all of these films. I with, too. With or without my dad's VCR. <laughs> You and your brother quit being idiots in there. Sit down and be quiet and watch this. So that's I'm going to relive those memories. Um, and hey, you know, how's this for a transition? Another memory I like to relive is the great flavor of being a kid. And that meant Little Debbie Snacks. Hey, all right. Fantastic. I know, I know. Transition. Yes, thank you, folks. But, you know, I do really love giving away Little Debbie Galactic Snack Packs each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio. It's one of my favorite things I do every week because I love to give back to the Star Wars fan community that has given back so much to me and Jason and Eastside Dave and the whole crew here at Rebel Force Radio. So we're combing the social media each week, looking and listening 
to hear what you have to say about Little Debbie and Rebel Force Radio, we found a tweet from Adam J at Adam Padam 85 who says, Little Debbie, thanks for being a sponsor of Rebel Force Radio, best snacks, and best podcast equals a thumbs up. So, Adam J, you're the man. You're going to get a Little Debbie Galactic Snack Pack. All you have to do, because of course you have to be present to win, send us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com, and uh, give us your shipping address so we know where to blast that Galactic Snack Pack in the light speed. It'll end up on your doorstep, and you are going to be in Snack Treat Heaven. And it's going to be courtesy of our friends at Little Debbie and us here at Rebel Force Radio. We give away Little Debbie each and every week here on Rebel Force Radio because, of course, Little Debbie is the official snack of fans and Eastside Dave. All <laughs> right. I love Rebel Little Force Debbie. Radio. You've already made that Star Wars reference. Your source for the Force. Star Wars parody. <laughs> All right, I think this officially makes it a meme now. We've yeah. got a meme of Star Wars auditions, long-lost Star Wars auditions. Uh, of course, the idea started with uh, Saturday Night Live sketch uh, years ago. And then uh, when The Force Awakens uh, was uh, upon us, they resurrected the, that idea and had J.J. Abrams uh, on Saturday Night Live and directing these uh, failed auditions. Now Conan... He throws his big red hair in the ring <laughs> with uh, his own version of Star Wars auditions, this time for the role of young Han Solo. So before Alden Ehrenreich got the role, uh, it was up for people like, you know, Bill Hader, Melissa McCarthy, Jodie Foster, Adam Sandler, Jeff Goldblum. Uh, Jim, what did you think of this one? Well, you know, it wasn't as funny as uh, the um, audition tape we uncovered. In our Skywalker Ranch excavation, when we discovered the uh, long-lost Jar Jar Binks audition from Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh, uh, thank God you're going to play this. Which no, no. That's, that's rare. That's rare. <laughs> no, but you, you can find it at rebelforceradio.com and oh, at, okay. at our SoundCloud page. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> No, I'm not going to subject the world or the universe to that again. But subject, it's fantastic. What we do have, what we do have, are these great Han Solo auditions. I think Conan does the funniest late night show there is since David Letterman stepped down, and I I know that's debatable, but I like Conan. And um, you know, Conan has ties to Saturday Night Live, of course. I'm not really sure if back when the Saturday Night Live did it initially, it was for the I want to say the 25th anniversary of Star Wars. So that sounds about right. It's about 15 years ago. When I thought it was. I thought it was the uh, special editions when those were hitting. Was it? it well, weren't the special editions hitting around the time of the 25th anniversary or the 20th anniversary? So yeah, yeah, it would have been. Yeah, the 20th anniversary. Yeah. yeah so yeah, and then you yep. know featured uh, featured guys like Kevin Spacey and uh, Christopher Walken. Christopher Walken. Uh, Oh no! It was Daryl Hammond doing walking. Yeah, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond, um, right? Yeah. Uh, Spacey was doing. <laughs> he did walking, and he did <laughs> um, Jack Lemmon, and um, and yeah, there. I mean, just so many greats from back then. But now, you know, I, I don't think Conan was. It was. It was actually Conan. September. Uh, uh, it was. Let's see. What was it? Uh, season twenty-two, episode ten, nineteen ninety-seven. So. Uh, there you go, about halfway through that season in 1997. Yeah, and by that point in time, Conan had already established himself as a late-night talk show host, so he was definitely 
off the SNL payroll at that time. But, yeah. um, but you know, like, like you said, Saturday Night Live established this, and it's a fun little thing to play around with. I expect someone is going to be doing this for every Star Wars film coming up for the next <laughs> decade. So let's just keep it, as long as we can keep it away from the crew at Adult Swim, we'll be fine. But, <laughs> but so Conan... I think, in safe comedic hands with Conan O'Brien. So here's Bill Hader auditioning for the role of young Han Solo. Okay, so he's young, right? Okay. I want to do the Kefta Run in 16 parsecs, Mom! Can we try that? uh, No notes! No notes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that guy's funny no matter what he does. That guy's funny. And he's a big Star Wars fan. He is a big Star Wars fan. I heard stories that he actually kept memorabilia in his office back when he worked on Saturday Night Live, things like action figures and Darth Vader gentle giant heads or whatever. Ron, he's the voice of BB-8. Well, you know, he, he definitely did collaborate on that whole thing. There, there were a bunch of people who worked on that. But I think Bill may have, he may have been there laying down some temp Lines for uh, BB-8 for the sound crew. That that thing went through some crazy stories. And one of these days, I'm going to throw the lasso around Matt Wood and David Acord, and I'm going to get the full BB-8 story out of those guys. Uh, regardless of what you've read on the Internet, there's more to the story. Ah, <laughs> okay. And in the credits. <laughs> so Melissa McCarthy, of course, from... Uh, uh, Ghostbusters and uh, Mike and Molly and uh, and all sort of uh, comedic uh, situations uh, is up there on Conan and she is auditioning for the role of young Han Solo. So it's not only you know turning a male centric franchise like Ghostbusters into <laughs> something for the fairer sex. Now she wants to jump on board and actually be young Han Solo. You never heard of the Millennium Falcon? The ship that made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsnips. It's parsecs. Parsnips is funnier. Who knows what a parsec is? Parsnips, they're going to be like, what? Have you seen Star Wars? I've seen a good portion of one of them. Is it the small wizard boy in the school in the hills? somebody posted online it sounds like she knows as much about star wars as she does ghostbusters oh Mm. yeah i saw that i saw that i'm just i'm just just repeating it i'm just repeating it that's all i'm saying (laughs) okay (laughs) all right and uh but this was a big surprise you don't you don't you don't drag this woman out uh, for just anything, Jodie Foster. That's right. A rare appearance. Yeah, that's right. Everyone's beloved uh, Nell. The, uh, Nell. Um, remember Nell? That's Jodie Foster. That's the, Nell, that's, yeah, right. That's what you think of when you think Jodie Foster. Right. So, first thing I Nell. think of Nell. is, is right. well, one of the most beloved film characters of all time, Nell. Yeah. But, of course, you know, Jodie is, uh, yeah, she, she's something of a, a Hollywood big shot. And so... Uh, Leave it to Conan to, to drag her out to audition for the role of young Han Solo. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? It's the ship that made the Kessel run in less than 12 parsecs. Now get off of my plane. That's from a different Harrison Ford movie. It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, she got the Air Force One, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. You know, she, she just watches TNT all the time. <laughs> happens to catch that all the time. And she, she catches that squeezed in between, like, Billy Madison and the Water Boy. 
<laughs> so that brings us to Adam Sandler, who was also auditioning for the role of young Han Solo. Falcon, cruising along here. Ooh, he won't almost hit a star. <laughs> oh, you never tell me, beyond. <laughs> don't get cocky. <laughs> I could I could make out the don't get cocky line. <laughs> yeah. That was about all. I like how Adam Sandler is now is also doing impressions of Adam Sandler. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> my, for my, sure. I was watching this on the uh, DVR with my kids who are big Conan fans and big Adam Sandler fans and they're both like I don't know if he has it still, Dad. And they looked at me. <laughs> they looked at me, and I, I said, "Son, this is a judgment call that's way out of my hands right now." You know, it, it reminds me a little bit of when uh, Jerry Lewis just kind of got too old and fat to do the, uh, right. you know, the Jerry Lewis voice, the, the yeah. bloody professor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, that's I, I, funny that your boys had that observation because I did too, and I also thought that the audience was uh, really not. Not digging that one as much as they were the other ones, truly. I think it was just like, oh, my God, this bit still? But oddly yeah. enough, oddly enough, and I know you guys find this completely out of character for social media, but they had a few things to say about Adam <laughs> Sandler. One of them being, my God, that was his funniest thing in 20 years. So I- <laughs> <laughs> never, never tell me the odds. The Chewbacca, the Wookiee, uh-huh. Um yeah, I mean, it, it's always up for debate. I, I am a, a Adam Sandler fan, but yeah, there there have been people who actually, since his very first movie, don't think he's funny. So he's kind of a polarizing guy. He, he I, can I, be very polarizing. I, who is who is Kumail uh, Nanjiani? Nanjiani. Nanjiani, I believe his Nanjiani. name is. who is this guy? Kumail, well, he's um, a Pakistani, uh, he, Pakistani-American, stand-up comedian, and he's an actor. He's, he's, po- he's a podcaster. He's been doing... Is he, he really? He did a podcast about the X-Files that was oh. uh, really well-received when they did the uh, reunion miniseries earlier this year. So, yeah. you know, he's, he's, he's done a few things with uh, HBO and stuff He's not on my radar, really, but he showed up on this thing, and he was uh, he was pretty darn funny as a Pakistani dude trying out for the role of young Han Solo. <laughs> so is this like a big spoiler? Like when Han Solo he was young, was he Pakistani? Because like, <laughs> I'm Pakistani. I will say, if you don't cast me in this, you're racist. Never <laughs> tell me the odds. How's that? I'm really good at, like, just never hearing the odds. Like, the odds? Are- no! Never! Tell me the odds! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that is one of the funniest. I'm really good at, you know, never hearing the odds. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. So, and finally. Finally, let's bring it down now. Let's bring it down. Everyone chill. We got to have a yeah. chill in the room right. because Jeff Goldblum is going to roll up on us and try out for the role of young Han Solo. But before we film anything, can I have a quick? Can I just ask? This is for young Han Solo. Uh, well, let's let's uh, let's let's give it a shot, as the as the kids say. <laughs> you never heard of the Millennium Falcon? It's the ship that made the Kessel Run in less than twelve parsecs. 
hard, I'll research, believe you me, what all that means so, so I can give it a little more credibility. I'll know what I'm talking about here. I'm just uh, kind of reading it. I can't say I'm all that familiar with the entire universe or phraseology. <laughs> There's a reason I pulled that clip, guys, is because uh-huh. last week my brother told a story about watching Star Wars with my dad. And when they got to that line about the Falcon making the castle run in less than 12 parsecs, my dad, while not discounting the fact that the character might understand what a parsec is, but Harrison Ford has no idea what a parsec is. <laughs> and for somehow yeah. that, that kind of tainted his whole viewing experience. <laughs> Of the classic film Star Wars. I I actually, when I was a kid, met Jeff Goldblum because he was filming a shot in my little small town I grew up in, in, in New Jersey. Uh, it was a movie no one's seen called Fathers and Sons. But anyway, we went up to his trailer when it was snowing one day, and Jeff Goldblum... <laughs> Emerged from the trailer, came out and signed autographs, and he is that guy. It was almost like he hadn't seen snow before. He was like, oh, you boys came on your bicycles. And, and, <laughs> and he's like, oh, what's, what's happening? Is it snowing? What is this? It's like, it's like he's a newborn baby. It's like it, everything is, is – is it's like the first time he's experienced anything in his life. Yeah. But he was actually really cool and friendly. So I've always loved him since then. But the, the, that is who Jeff Goldblum is. I swear to God it is. He's just constantly chill, it seems yeah. like. He's chill and he's just like, you know, uh, oh my, yeah, yeah. look at those. Are those bikes? Do you guys, well, what are those bicycles? And we're like, yeah, they're, <laughs> he's well, chill. yes, they're bikes. So he's chill and bemused. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and everything. Exactly. Well, the whole bit can be found uh, on uh, the Team Coco website. It's worth checking out. It's, it's, it's really great. And um, uh, yeah, like Jim, as you said, I, ho- I hope for more of these. So with it's each a fun, film. You know what? This is a fun little tradition, and in the right hands, I think it does good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, we're out of time. That's going to do it. Wrap things up for this week's show. A big thanks. Eastside Dave McDonald. Fantastic. Come on. Thank you. It's actually a dream come true. I've been loving you guys for a long, long time. So this was a huge thrill. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. And Dave, if folks want to hear more about you, where do they go? Where do they they find you online these days? Um, Everything is at Eastside Dave, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. That's it. It's all there. And uh, I uh, um, I'm just uh, so thrilled to be on Rebel Force Radio. And yeah, (laughs) at Eastside Dave, that's I don't even want to plug. I just want to I just want to bask in the glow, which is Rebel Force Radio, baby. All right. Thank you. Um, also, thanks to our sponsors this week, Little Debbie Snack Cakes and Tops in their Star Wars Card Trader app. If you would like to sound off, opine, send us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com. Voicemail line 708-320-1737. That's 708-320-1RFR. Speaking of Twitter, we're on the Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, at Jason Swank. And the Facebook page for breaking news, links to stories, and just plain old good conversation about the wars. 
go to facebook.com slash rebel force radio and uh, check out our facebook group the official website is rebelforceradio.com as jimmy mentioned you can see and hear things like that long lost audition tape of michael jackson going out for the role of jar jar banks heartbreaking that it didn't work out Also, you can find uh, Rebel Force Radio streaming at WGNplus.com. You can also listen to us on Spotify. We're available at Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, just about anywhere else you can find podcasts. We're also streaming on Saturday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern at srsounds.com. at sorcererradio.com. We are an official friend of Wikipedia. You can visit the ultimate online Star Wars encyclopedia at wikipedia.com. You can also read about us at jedinews.co.uk, yodasnews.com, and the official Star Wars website, starwars.com. We'll see you next time. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember... The Force will be with you, always. So is this like a big spoiler, like when Han Solo was young, was he Pakistani?